Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. All right, welcome back to Prime Time. So, if my 12 year old Mario called someone a dog, he would not say it again in my presence. I guarantee you, he would apologize. In fact, if he said most of the things that the president says about people he's threatened by or doesn't like, his cheeks would be glowing. And that's because we teach our kids, we make our kids do right because it shows respect for people and respect matters. So don't defend President Trump calling Omarosa a dog. Don't defend him calling anyone a dog, period. Stop making it all okay, whatever Trump says. Fighting back is not automatically a virtue. Mama says, if you have nothing nice to say, say nothing for a reason. Same in your house, right? Discretion can be the better part of valor. Same in your house, right? Why? Because this kind of ugly talk is contagious. It creates a coarseness that leads to unintelligent confrontation. You wouldn't say it at your best. You wouldn't let your kids say it. Why let the president? This is the man charged with the greatest powers in the world over the mightiest nation and the most powerful people. We should expect better. Our president should not be defended like some drunk guy in a bar who said some things and did some things, but somehow is not to be taken too seriously. He is in the most serious position. And by the way, he's playing you who excuse his words and deeds because insults are not insights. It's getting off cheap. Going personal in court or in a debate suggests you have no good arguments on the facts or the law. And it seems like that now as well. And yet he is rewarded for knowing less and insulting people that he can't outthink. Trump is rewarded for crude language when it is misinterpreted as strength. You know, I do a lot of self-defense. I do a lot of fighting. Every coach I've ever had taught me, when you're assessing a room, never fear the guy talking trash. If he were dangerous, he would act, not talk. We're not going to make America great again. It was never that great. We have not reached greatness. We will reach greatness when every American is fully engaged. We will reach greatness when discrimination and stereotyping against women, 51% of our population, is gone. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 20th of August, year of our Lord, 2018. And that was Chris and Andrew Cuomo. Like father, like son. They hate America. They love Antifa, or at least Chris does. He defends pushing people. It's all good, man. All good. Of course, Como Sr., the expression I used the other day was unartful, so I want to be very clear, of course. America's great, and of course, America's always been great. You can't come back off a prepared speech. All right, You guys have been saying this since 9 November 2016. America was great under Obama. It sucked a day later because that's how you look at things. So just stay with it, man. I mean, that's what you think. Go with it, bro. A pause before we get into the show. I got to say thank you to everybody who listened. I mean, 
The last episode from the 14th blew the hell up. So whoever grabbed it and gave it to your friends or whoever tweeted it, I don't know, but I love you because that is a lot of listens. And that's just off the SoundCloud. I I don't know what else was listened to because, you know, I got people telling me they listen on Apple or they listen on Google and I don't get any stats back from SoundCloud. But I thank you all. I hope it was entertaining. I hope it's not grudge listens, but if it is grudge listens, well, then I'll make it more grudgier. No, I'm joking. (laughs) I'll I'll try to be entertaining so it's worth your grudge listen, but really wanted to say thanks. That's a lot of listens, and um, the last month has had quite an uptake. You know, we kind of went through a time where only the diehards, and I know who you are, the 11 people, were always downloading at the moment that came out. And we might get 25 to 35 listens, but th- that's a that's a big number for the 14th, and I thank you all. So things up front, I can't confirm, but I'm going to get them in before we go to Fire for Effect. Bombshell, FEC records indicate Hillary campaign illegally lauded $84 million. This is all over the internet. I don't know if it's true. It sounds like it is. There's been a lawsuit filed. More to follow. It'll have to come from conservative, or what they like to say in liberal, alt-right, white supremacist, Nazi motherfuckers. Those news sources, because you're not going to get on the mainstream media. I mean, she could literally be indicted. Nothing's going to happen. When the whole thing came out on Rosie O'Donnell, you didn't hear a word. Dinesh D'Souza, man, his ass went to jail. It was all, it was front page. NBC Nightly News ran it. It was a big deal. But, um, yeah, you're probably not going to hear this. Then we go to Colorado. Yeah, I, I got to hit this up front, because this goes to my thing. I'm not going to read everything. I, I'm just going to say... This is the LGBT mafia. The people that I know that are LGBT go, I hate them motherfuckers. They just try to prove point in everything. So now they've gone after the Masterpiece Cake Shop again. Even though SCOTUS ruled against them the first time, they're going to keep pushing. Because they fucking literally hate Christians, hate fucking straight people. You know, I, I, I hate to bring a local thing up. You know, we don't have, and, and where I'm at, Blatantly, and what I mean by blatantly, there, there's gay and lesbians and transgenders around us. We talk about it all the time, but we don't do a survey, you know. Two girls walking around holding hands, that's normal for heteros, so you don't, you don't like look at it and go, oh, look at that, and you get astounded by it, you don't think anything of it. But we were there the other day, and we pulled up, and we were in my Jeep. So it's a redneck mobile, it's got an NRA st- sticker on it, but I make dip copian. Copenhagen. I, I don't wear a cowboy hat. I'm not a white supremacist, and I don't listen to country music. So the analogy of Jeep guy with dip in mouth, okay, you might think that's a redneck. Two guys were walking down in Aldi's. They looked at me and my wife, because they parked like two spots up. Instantly grabbed each other's hands. And they glared at us. Now, I didn't catch it until retrospect, but the wife did. And she was like, why did they, did they have to say, look at us, we're gay you pieces of shit. I don't know what it was. It was just really weird. But there was an animus. And they walked around the stores and the looks they were giving everybody is like, say something. Say something. I want you to say something. And the problem is, it goes back to what I talk on the show. Nobody does say anything. I don't give a fuck if you fuck a goat. I don't care. Get your goat fuck on. The point is, I mean, why are you so angry against everybody else? Because we're not like you. I'm not angry at you because you're gay. I don't give a fuck. But I just thought it was kind of funny. I mean, I really don't understand. So our next subject is, of course, Twitter. I'm going to cover the Jack stuff because it's funny, but it's on the back end of the show. Here's NBC. 
with Jack in part of that interview. You've taken action against him in, in this instance. What we is have. it? Can you tell us what it is? I believe we put him in a, uh, a timeout, removing his ability to tweet for a time period. That period, just seven days. And presumably, after that, Jones will be back. A timeout seems minor compared to the implications of someone suggesting a call to arms against a particular group, in this case, the media. How do you respond to that? Well, I feel any suspension, whether it be a permanent one or a temporary one, makes someone think about their actions and their behaviors. And you um, think what Alex they're Jones doing is going to change there. his behavior based on a timeout? I don't know. I'm speaking more broadly as to why we use, utilize this particular tool. Um, we, we have found that it does have the potential to change impact and change behavior. Do you make exceptions for high-profile individuals in terms of your, your rules of service? No. We, we hold every account to the same standard, to the same rules. The President of the United States yesterday called a woman, Omarosa, that dog. Would that violate your terms of service? So we do have a clause within our terms of service around public interest and around news, newsworthiness. Uh, we believe it's important for the world to hear directly from global leaders how they think and how they treat the people around them. You don't make a distinction. So we do make exception. You don't make a distinction, however, you know, over policy, talking about taxes or tariffs versus calling a person a dog. We make an understanding of who is actually saying that and whether they are a global leader, whether they are a public figure, um, and whether this is something that should be reported on and should be talked about. That's NBC trying to push to get Trump off Twitter. That he's a he's they're doing the the media research Pfeiffer, and I just gotta play it because as a news agency, should you be pushing for what a party wants? No, of course you're not. You're supposed to be a journalist. But every week when I have this podcast, I'm showing you NBC, MSNBC, CNN, ABC. They they are always acting and, and pushing the talking points of only one party. They might ask a question like, well, Republicans are pouncing on you, you know, or seizing on this. But they never, ever do that for Republicans. They didn't go up to Obama and say, hey, sir, you know, um, you said that we'd all keep our coverage and our doctor and everybody will pay less money for health care. And that clearly didn't happen. It was never worded like that because that's a conservative talking point, as it should not be worded that way. But with Democrats, good God. So, Twitter safety came out this week. We're suspending accounts for attempting to evade an account of suspension. These accounts were previously suspended for abusive behavior, evading a previous suspension, are not allowed to continue using Twitter. We're trying to do everything we can to help you Democrats out. That's pretty much what it was. But the problem is, Jim Tretcher said, CACF. Ka was an amateur. K-A-F-K-A. He was suspended off Twitter and restored. Once again, he's a conservative. And when he was restored, he didn't have all his followers. So Jim Tretcher says, look, Twitter can can make up the rules as it wants and enforce those rules any way it wants. And its users can point out when stuff like this happens to them for no re- good reason. What rule did I break? I have no idea. And they're not going to tell me. How do I avoid breaking that rule again? Good question. But it's still one-sided. And our closing with Jack, he even admits it. Kind of ruining the soundbite, but he admits it. Libertarian banned for life. Because he says stuff people didn't like. Facebook, who's trying to be like Twitter, suspends Bridget Gabriel for hate speech. 
Nothing in what she said. She says, this is a smile of a sick, depraved Muslim terrorist who's back on the street after training children to shoot up schools. The judge who allowed this to happen should be removed from their post ASAP. If he harms anyone while on bail, the blood is on their hands. That is the sentiment of probably 60% of America. But the left doesn't like it. That person speaks for Act for America. SPLC says they're a hate organization because they don't like Muslims who kill people. And here we are. Then, PragerU, we talked about, they finally got an apology. We mistakenly removed these videos and restored them. No reason why they did. It is, once again, the errant little liberal who's on their enforcement team. Fuck that motherfucker. Fuck them. They're not speaking our tone. We're just going to shut them the fuck off. Yeah. So, next part of this thing is, once again, Oliver... The CNN guy who went after Alex Jones. He's now trying to get Drudge done. Oliver Dorsey literally said, sort of interesting, Drudge Report linked WRAL and CNBC and banner headlines for syndication version of New York Times story on Musk. He is constantly reporting Drudge Report. And for those that aren't as old as I, if you remember back to Slick Willie, the cigar and the vagina... The only reason why that became mainstream was Matt Drudge. He was reporting it until they couldn't ignore it anymore. It was before Twitter, so of course, that was the only way you could get that shit out. Then we go back to fucking Sarah Jong on this subject. This is a literal article, I Hate My White Privilege. Dear Sugars, I'm riddled with shame, white shame. This isn't helpful to me or to anyone, especially people of color. I feel like there is no me outside my white, upper-middle-class, cisgender identity. I feel like my literal existence hurts people, like I'm always taking up space and should belong to someone else. I consider myself an ally. I research proper etiquette, read writers of color, vote in the way that will not harm persons of color, and other vulnerable classifications. I engage in conversations about privilege with other white people. I take courses that will further my education. I donate to Black Lives Matter. Yet I fear that nothing is enough. Part of my fear comes from the fact that privilege is invisible in itself. What if I'm doing or saying insensitive things without realizing it? Another part of it is that I'm currently immersed in the whitest environment I've ever been in. My family has lived in the same apartment in East Harlem for four generations. Every school I attended, elementary through high school, was minority white. But I'm now attending an elite private college that is sunny percent white. I know who I am, but I realize how people perceive me, and this perception feels unfair. I don't t- talk about my feelings because it's hard to justify doing so while people of color are dying due to systematic racism and making this conversation about me would be, again, centering whiteness. Yet bottling up makes me feel an existential anger that I, I have a hard time channeling since I don't know my place. Instead of harnessing my privilege for greater good, I'm curling up in a ball of shame. How can I be more than my heritage. I I don't even have a jab on that. That's how far the left has wounded people. They are so fucked up. They hate themselves because of their skin color. Isn't that why we go after racism? Isn't that why we get upset with racists? Because they judge people by their color and now you have white people doing it well, what is that supposed to is that like a sick joke I don't understand but 
This is what our colleges are doing to people. I, once again, not going to read the reply because, once again, you know, kill yourself. That's the only right answer. Kill yourself. Give all your positions to a black person. If not, you're a racist piece of shit. Oh, God. Antifa. You know, we, we talked about it last time. I, 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 uh, here's some more Antifa sound bites. Only a couple of dozen showed up. Proof they lost membership after being exposed again last year as a bunch of hateful losers? No, they're still in force online, but they didn't have the guts to show up, and that's good. Counter-protesters did. There were good numbers of them. The vast majority were peaceful. But peppered in the crowd were members of Antifa, or anti-fascists. They covered their faces, confronted police, and berated journalists. And that was wrong. Now, you've been hearing it. There's a lot of whataboutism and spin going on, and it's kind of sickening to me. So let's all agree on some common understandings. A protester uses their voice. Song, slang, slurs, there's a huge range, but it is talk. When you use your hands in a violent way, you are a rioter. And unless you're justified in defending yourself and you hit someone, you're a thug, you're a criminal. You attack cops, you slap the media, you're in the wrong, period. But I argue to you tonight, all punches are not equal morally. In the eyes of the law, yes. But in the eyes of good and evil, here's the argument. If you're a punk who comes to start trouble in a mask and hurt people, you're not about any virtuous cause. You're just somebody who's going to be held to the standard of doing something wrong. But when someone comes to call out bigots and it gets hot, even physical, are they equally wrong as the bigot they are fighting? I argue no. Fighting against hate matters. Now, how you fight matters, too. There's no question about that. But drawing a moral equivalency between those espousing hate and those fighting it because they both resort to violence emboldens hate, legitimizes hateful belief, and elevates what should be stamped. The law will take care of what you do to me and what I do to you. But to make it moral equivalence, when you're coming at me because I'm saying that you don't matter in this world as much as I do, those are not equivalent motivations that lead us into the confrontation. Well, and sometimes you can't fight people by, you know, praising them or being nice to them. You have to fight fire with fire sometimes. Listen, I'm not advocating. You should be your best. Violence. Those guys going after best. cops, going after the media, it's wrong. They did yeah. nothing productive. They did yeah. nothing to make anything better. Yeah, let me just say this, though. You ask why he doesn't call out, because the white nationalists are winning right now. This helps their cause. This helps their case. Um, for the president to, to be equivocating between, you know, whether it's Antifa or whatever, find people on both sides, that actually helps their, their case. And they, they have garnered the spotlight. Uh, this gives them energy and a profile that they didn't have before. And it's, I, true. it's sad that this president can't see that. And that's why they're up out online more than I've seen in a long time. But I'll yeah. tell you this, there ain't enough of them. Yeah. There ain't enough of them. Well, if it cre creates an equal opposite in people who want to fight hate and realize that they have to do something about it, that they can't just sit back and expect it to happen otherwise, not right now, yeah. that'll matter too, my friend. There is a great article that you should read by Adam Sir. I don't know if you read it, and it's called White Nationalists Are Winning. Adam's going to be on in our 11 o'clock hour. Yeah. He's going to talk to us about this article. Great and we're going to have this conversation, similar conversation. Thank you, Chris. I'll be watching. All right, see ya. So only about two dozen white nationalists gathered in Washington, D.C. Sunday for a rally that they billed as a sequel to the deadly clash in Charlottesville a year ago. 
Uh, they were outnumbered by counter-protesters. But if their movement is fading, some of their ideas may be gaining traction. Let's discuss now Adam Sewer, who writes about uh, America after Charlottesville in the Atlantic. He's a senior editor, where he's senior editor there. Good evening. Thank you so much. Uh, Thanks for having me. The white nationalists are winning. Uh, it's a very well-written uh, article, and I, everyone you. should read it. But let's talk about this with this rally this weekend in D.C. Passed without any major violence, although there were some attacks by Antifa in Charlottesville. Has America changed since the events last year, you think? Um, I would say that the white nationalist movement in the United States had suffered significant logistical setbacks in terms of there's a lot of infighting, a lot of the organizations that they set up aren't doing very well, and obviously they weren't willing to unite behind Kessler and show up in D.C. in force uh, this weekend, and they almost never are because in their imaginations, D.C. is still back in the 80s and they're scared to come here. Mm -hmm. uh, but as far as, you know, their ideas, they've very much... Uh, helped inject this uh, theory of sort of quote-unquote demographic panic mm -hmm. into the Republican Party where the mere presence of people of color in the country, particularly due to immigration, uh, regardless of whether it's legal or illegal, is somehow threatening to, uh, you know, white Americans simply by their mere presence. Yeah. At the same time as this rise of the alt-right, which is really white supremacist, we're hearing Fox News hosts strike the same tones of racial anxiety and white panic. I mean, this is just some of what we have seen on the air since Trump took office. Watch it. You've made the pilgrimage to your alma mater uh, this weekend. You wanted to be there uh, for this anniversary. Why and what do, you, what do you expect to see over the course of this weekend? Well, you know, I wanted to be here. I'm a UVA alum. Um, this was a, a terrorist attack in the United States of America. And I, I really wanted to see how the community was responding. I've been to, unfortunately, too many places in this country over the last couple of years that have been victims of, of white nationalist attacks, either individually, uh, like the young man Richard Collins who was killed at University of Maryland College Park. That's 15 minutes from where I live. Or Charlotte, uh, or not Charlotte, or Ferguson, Missouri, uh, where sort of militarized police attacked peaceful protesters. And I wanted to see if there was substantive change happening here. And, and I must admit, at least in the time that I've been here, the level of self-reflection I've seen in this community is much better than I've seen in a lot of other places. They seem legitimately concerned here about not having these problems continue. Maybe it was because it was white nationalists, maybe it was because of the race of the victim, but either way, it seems like Charlottesville is making some changes, and that's, that's something I feel optimistic about. Before we go, the weekend was not without uh, conflict or acts of violence. There were some journalists who were attacked um, by street protesters. Those protesters were also going after the police. They didn't want to be on camera. They're believed to be part of Antifa. What's your take on this? Uh, you know, I didn't see it. I know one thing when I was in Charlottesville. You okay, well, there it is. We're well, seeing well, yeah. it. There were a lot of different activists who were like, why are you in riot gear? We don't see no riot here. There is a belief, I'm not saying it's always correct, but there is a belief by many activists, including Antifa, that the police tacitly support this kind of violence. Where and does so that belief come? I mean, well, because come on, do you, because, do you think the police, the, the police there were there to protect white nationalists? Do you believe that? When you look at how the police respond to white nationalists as opposed to Black Lives Matter protesters, yes. yes, you do. When you consider the number of police departments where people have been caught with white nationalist tattoos and the emails and everything else like that, that's there. Look, I never liked the idea of journalists getting attacked, but no one has a reason to believe, even when you look at how the police responded last year, when you look at the fact that they, they shut down the, the metro in D.C. that let these guys go in, people have reasons to doubt the police's yeah, but, dedication but, to eradicating racism. But thuggishness is thuggishness wherever it comes from politically, and, and we should be the first to call it out. I disagree.
And by the way, before I pontificate about Chris Cuomo repeating the same fucking thing, it's the same speech but on a different day. Uh, big storms in this area, so if you, you hear some shit in the background, uh, we're in the hot. We are on the. We're along the dry line, as I say in news parlance or weather news. Anyway, the Washington Post finally, finally stumbled across what really happened. That twenty-five now is the number. White supremacists went. Most of the violence was them, and they did a story about it. But it made people like Joss Rosenberg lose his fucking mind. If you are against Antifa, you're a fascist. Fascists are the only people that need to be worried about anti-fascists. You don't need to be personal, personally punching Nazis, but show some gratitude to the people who are standing up to them. Oh no, fascists have found my tweet and they are asking me to define what a Nazi is. I'm intellectually outclassed and now I have to defend white supremacy. Sorry folks, don't you hate when fascists find your tweet? Those guys are everywhere. Too bad you can't punch Nazis over Twitter. Yeah, there you are. It's it hasn't changed. When Wade, Wade Davis sums it up, fascists are the only people that need to be worried. Police, civilians, media members, shop owners, people who own property, car owners, government workers, businessmen, women, innocent bystanders, peaceful protesters, mildly conservative people, people wearing Trump hats. Yeah, that's that's our antifa. But they don't care. They're just like the rest of the world. At least 60 cars burned by youths in Sweden. Because they want to be like Antifa. Former Yazidi slave girls confronted by our ISIS captor in Germany streets. Reports him to authority and is told, he's a refugee like you. Go fuck yourself. Lady is literally crying in a video that I'm not going to play. Because she's faced her ISIS captor that Germany also took in. And once again... What happened to the Yazidis should be something that should make everybody understand, even though the media doesn't want to report it, any kind of Christian, any kind of other organ, other religion other than Islam, their sect of Islam, they kill them. But you'll never know on the left. You'll never know in the media. They don't want to cover it. Weekly ass rate of acid attacks in UK hit staggering number. Cons London hit the hardest. New police figures reveal that the UK is averaging at least 15 barbaric acid attacks a week. The figure first reported by the Mirror shows a total of 2,602 reported attacks from January 2015 to May of this year, averaging out to 15 per, per week. In comparison, there are only 100 attacks in 2007 to 211 completely. 70 75% are in London. And this week, a bystander was getting stabbed. Well, let me read the stories and I'll fuck it up. What can you say about London Mayor Sadiq Khan? After the city was plagued by a rash of stabbing attacks, including a terrorist attack last June, the mayor demanded that YouTube and Google crack down on violent videos. And when London overtook New York and murders for the first time in modern history, the mayor called for a ban on junk food advertisements on London buses and trains. After that, he called on Londoners to redress the gender imbalance amongst Wikipedia editors, whom he complained almost entirely men. So following a terrorist attack earlier this week, which Salih Cater crashed his car and to protect a barrier, 
outside the House of Parliament, injuring several pedestrians and cyclists. The mayor is considering banning cars. That's right. They're going to ban cars. When Trump tweeted about this, CNN dogged him. President Donald Trump on Tuesday again seized on what he called a terrorist attack. Even though Sadiq Khan, the guy that doesn't give a fuck if his people are getting acided, stabbed, run over, because he is just an Islamist lover, had called it a terrorist attack. That's how CNN covered it. He's seizing. He's pouncing. It's not factual. I mean, the facts are there. We know the facts are there. But you're not just talk about it, because you're an evil conservative. Queer eye for the... Used to be for the straight guy. Now it's just queer eye, get, quiet, queer eye television. That guy spent a week in hell because he uttered not all Republicans are racist. By the end of the week, he had to apologize for it. On Salon, because we're just in our regular old hate now, I hope to God for downturn during Trump's re-election, whole article, all it's saying over and over is we hope there's a recession. Then this broke this week, and this is the parallel intersectionality of liberalism, activism, and journalists in our country. Breaking. Judge in Manafort trial says he received threats related to case is being protected by U.S. Marshal. He also refused to give up the people's addresses and names. The, 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 they believed, like Soledad and O'Brien, or um, start tracking them down for interviews once the verdict is in, because that's how journalism works. They believed they had the right in this very politicized trial to dox the jurors. And this is just a prep to try to defend that if Manafort doesn't go down for life, get executed, get put inside a fucking barometric chamber and blown the fuck up, they can say, well, they were conservative. We need to retry it. Conservatives. They were Trump voters. They were trying to fucking pressure him. He got death threats. That's how crazy the resistance is. And I just oppose it with sound bites like this. Tina, what you're Angela. not going to keep doing is talking over me because my black life matters and so does my voice. So what you're going to do right now is listen to what I'm saying to you. What you said was deeply offensive. And what I'm telling you is you can't say, at least you shouldn't feel comfortable saying it in 2018, that, you know, this White House not having diversity can be akin to presidents who didn't have no, any black people have on their staff but for slavery. Yeah, you know, Angela, I, I understand your feelings on this, but here's my no, point. Don't. I have a I have an adopted minority son, yes I do, um, who happens to have Down syndrome, and he experiences bigotry every single day in a myriad of ways, not just because of his skin color, but also because of his disability. And I understand that you and I don't agree, but I would not support a president that I believed was going to be a threat to his future. So what I'd like well, to have are. is a constructive conversation and I think you know I think points like yours that are that are focusing only on the negative and not even acknowledging 700,000 new jobs for black people in this country record low unemployment and the rest of it, it it's tantamount to what Andrew Cuomo said today that upset me too that America has never
never been great. And America let's has focus on what we've done great. well. And it's not let's great because on people what, like you come on and lie for the president of the United States and then and then and then tout, bring out your son as an example. Could, like you could ought to be completely ashamed what, of yourself. What America is doing. Yeah, that's a nice lady. Here, here's the reality. She wouldn't have to bring up that, but that's what we've been pushed to. As we prefaced with, I hate my whiteness, we spend a lot of our time saying, I have a black friend. Or I know black people. Because if you don't, in a conversation with a minority, you don't know you're white, you're a piece of shit, you have privilege. Ah. This lady has an adoptive minority child with Down syndrome. She is living bigotry every day, as she states. But that doesn't work. You're still a racist because you're white. It's no longer about who you ally with. It's nothing. There are people like that rye, Angela, type 1H. You just hate white people. That's what it's about. And if it is about white people, it's back to Trump voters. Here's Brian Williams. He's jerking underneath the desk over families being ripped apart because they voted for Trump. Once a day, easily once a day, a major publication publishes an essay about the death of civility in our country. It's been said that before our current political time, the era of Trump perhaps, we didn't have the power to tear apart families based only on the politics in our country. Perhaps you know a family torn apart by it. Well, we don't often see it quite so publicly. For example... Virginia Republican Congressman Bob Goodlatte is retiring. His own son is making it no secret that he's supporting the Democrat running for his dad's seat this November. Yesterday, Bobby Goodlatte announced on Twitter, quote, I just gave the maximum allowed donation to Jennifer Lewis, a Democrat running for my father's congressional seat. His father, the congressman, chairs the House Judiciary Committee and was among those who interrogated the now-fired FBI agent Peter Strzok during a hearing last month. Today, the son took another public shot at his dad, saying, quote, I'm deeply embarrassed that Peter Strzok's career was ruined by my father's political grandstanding. That committee hearing was a low point for Congress. The political family discord also extends to the West Wing of the White House. Immigration hardliner Stephen Miller, he of the Trump White House senior staff, has been raked over the coals by his own uncle in a scathing op-ed for Politico. Miller, of course, may be best known as the architect of the Trump administration's Muslim ban and the zero-tolerance crackdown on the southern border. But his uncle, David Glosser, points to the family's rich immigrant history. He says Miller's grandfather fled violence in Eastern Europe with just $8 in his pocket to make a life in the United States. Glosser calls his nephew an immigration hypocrite. He says, quote, I have watched with dismay and increasing horror as my nephew, who is an educated man and well aware of his heritage, has become the architect of immigration policies that repudiate the very foundation of our family's life in this country. He goes on to write that had his family not migrated to the United States, they likely would have been killed by the Nazis. If politics is a family sport, the Thanksgiving table is going to be wild this year. The Trump era putting family feuds on full display. Chris Elizabeth, our CNN politics reporter and editor at large. Chris, family feud. First of all, Family Feud is an amazing game show that I would like to host. But that's not what we're talking about today, Brooke. Okay, Keep so let's, on. Tell me about let's, real life let's, Family Feud. I, I want to get that promo in. Okay, let's start. There's a bunch of them. I want to run through because I know we're all waiting for Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Okay, this is on, on uh, over here, Bob Goodlatte, chairman, outgoing chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. Over here, Bobby Goodlatte, his son. 
This comes from us August 13th. This is Bobby Goodlatte. I'm deeply embarrassed that Peter Strzok's career was ruined by my father's political grandstanding. Reminder, Bob Goodlatte, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, was involved in that very contentious hearing uh, with Strzok about his anti-Trump texts and all that sort of stuff. Thank you for your service. He's talking to Peter Strzok. You are a patriot. Okay, but wait. It's like Kramer versus Kramer 2. Goodlatte versus Goodlatte 2. Bobby Goodlatte follows that up the next day with he announcement that he is giving the maximum campaign donation to the Democrat running for his dad's seat. Now, it's not as bad as it might seem only in that brook. Bob Goodlatte is retiring. So he's not giving to the person running against his dad, but he is giving to a Democrat who is running for his dad's old seat. His dad, I probably should have mentioned, is a Republican. Far from the only family feud, though. Let's go to the next one. Okay, you recognize that woman, Kellyanne Conway, senior counsel of the president. You may not recognize this guy. This is her husband, George Conway, who, if you do not follow on Twitter, you should, and here's why. He is one of the most active critics of Donald Trump out there in a prominent way on Twitter. This is in relation to all Donald Trump's attacks. Uh, interesting analogy. Likewise, what if a CEO routinely, CEO routinely made false and misleading statements about himself, the company, and results in publicly attacked business partners, company divisions, employees, and analysts, and kowtowed to a dangerous competitor? Obviously, he's talking about Russia there. By the way, this is not George Conway's only apostasy as it relates to Donald Trump. Yesterday, he also tweeted poll results that showed John Kasich, the governor of Ohio, more popular than Donald Trump in Ohio after Trump attacked Kasich. George Conway, terrific Twitter follow. Uh, Let's go to the last one. Okay, Stephen Miller, senior advisor to the president and the lead uh, person in the construction of Donald Trump's immigration policy. This is his uncle. David Glosser, you probably don't know as much about, but he wrote an op-ed saying that Stephen Miller is essentially a hypocrite about immigration. He talked about that op-ed and his conclusions on New Day Today. Here's that interview. I'll note, Brooke, there's one more family feud that we don't talk about as much, but Donald Trump versus Ivanka Trump, uh, his his daughter and advisor. His daughter often says things, uh, the media is not the enemy of the people, other comments about immigration that directly contradict things her father has said. So there are, from top to bottom in this administration, over and over again, you see these disagreements. Again, another example of how abnormal what we see on a day-in, day-out basis in the Trump administration actually is. Mm-hmm. Back to you, Brooke. We should also point out we have asked Stephen Miller to appear multiple times on CNN and so far. That's fucking journalism. We're so ha- happy. Our fucking politics and our way of broadcasting politics has fractured families. Yay, team. But that's who they are. Dan Pfeiffer shows it. The position of the Democrats morally and politically should be that they will vote no on every single Trump judicial nominee for the rest of his term. When they get done, people say to him, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. this guy was appointed by Obama. Eight years as assistant U.S. attorney prosecuted fucking Dylan Roof case. I know it doesn't change my view. I know it's not easy, but you have to draw a bright line. Bright line. Yeah. Bright line. Yeah. You fucking people. Last two things. ABC and NBC ignore ISIS member arrested in U.S. infiltrated as a refugee. Never broadcast it. But the only positive in my intro of this fucking show is Michelle Wolf's show got canceled. 
It gives me hope that even the hardcore leftist resistance, I fucking hate America, I hate soldiers, I hate white people, I hate the middle of the country, even they are getting burned out. Let's fire for effect. It's not a coincidence that this president, whose financial affairs are murky and whose suspicious pattern of behavior triggered his own Justice Department to appoint an independent counsel to investigate him, has tried so hard to intimidate journalists who provide independent scrutiny. Question that answers itself, but why did you feel the Globe needed to step forward and put out this coordinated editorial? Well, there's been a, an increase in the rhetoric against the media. And um, the Globe editorial board decided that it was time to speak out about it. We know what the, the public approval ratings are for the media. It's very low. Is there any concern this is going to embolden the talk that the media is conspiring against the president when they see something that seems like a unified message against him? It's not a message against the president. It is a message in favor of the Constitution and in favor of democracy. And so... This shouldn't be controversial. Even some folks in the community, such as the um, editor of the San Francisco Chronicle, put, quote, it plays into Trump's narrative that the media are aligned against him. So how do you actually reach the people who are being targeted by Trump? I think that um, the individual editorials that were written by all these different media outlets address that really well. It's a really good point, is that these are... These were all written in their own words, and again, this is in favor of the Constitution, in favor of the First Amendment, and in favor of um, supporting and connecting the community, saying that, you know, these are not enemies. These are fellow Americans. These are neighbors. These are your friends. That's our 350, baby. 350 fucking newspapers coordinated to respond to Trump and basically said, He's be shit. We're not activists. We're for American people. But we coordinated to say that a Republican president's a piece of shit. Donors, that's circular logic. It's an Excel spreadsheet. You're getting an error. I understand. So am I. You know, while this was going on, funny little side note, uh, Acasio, yeah, she banned reporters. That didn't even make the news. Buck Sexton sums it up because I'm not going to, I'm not reading any of their bullshit. Don't remember 300 newspapers sounding the alarm together when Obama DOJ was grabbing journalists' phone records and calling a Fox News reporter a co-conspirator and an espionage indictment. But they did say, I raised questions. It caused concern. So yeah, they were brave. Or when Brennan hacked the computers of the members of the Senate Intel Committee and then threatened staffers, Rosen, Atkinson come to mind. S.E. Cup literally wrote this. It hurt my feelings because I love S.E. Cup. The press is not the enemy of the people. The press is the enemy of the powerful. And I stop. 
Somebody pointed out, certainly wasn't the enemy of the Clintons or the Hollywood abusers the networks like NBC tried to cover for, or the Obamas and situational enemy, namely when it doesn't like the political politics of the certain people. Over the top, and not clear at all, just hyperbolic bluster. Here's what's clear. The establishment press sides with one political party over the other. Very aggressively so. This is not your role. How does this reality, really, re- reality help people? Brian Seltzer. He tried to justify all this, and actually quite different. The papers are choosing to do it. They have different owners. He's just writing our own editorial, et cetera, and most of the country's papers are not participating. Maybe put down your broad brush. Trump and his media boosters live in a hall of mirrors. And he did a whole article about how Trump's the worst president ever against the media. But as of today... Brian Seltzer's back to the president's not well. Joe Scarborough, the president's not well. Don Lemon, the president's not. We've recycled the fucking tape is what I'm saying. L.A. Time is not participating in today's nationwide editorial page protest against Trump attack. We still believe that nevertheless the editorial board decided not to write about the subject on this particular Thursday because we cherish our independence. The Los Angeles Times editorial board does not speak with anybody else. We share certain opinions, which those newspapers, we disagree on other things. Even when we do agree with an, another editorial page on the death penalty or climate change or war in Afghanistan, say we reach our own decisions and positions, so we didn't join this clusterfuck. Progs, call them white supremacists. It's now the Los Angeles KKK Times. Yeah, it happened. Yeah. Yeah, it 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 was just fuck. The Senate passed a unanimous resolution declaring the press not the enemy. Rich and Time Dispatch had a great one that pretty much bashed the whole thing. And the only other po- sound bad I can find on this shit because they touched it and left because I know they went too far was this. Let me ask you this, uh, Ron Bronson and David, if you want to uh, chime in. This is a very important issue that's near and dear to our hearts here at CNN. More than 300 newspapers across the country Ooh. banded together today in support of the free press. Uh, there are some of the headlines on screen uh, right there. Uh, you know, th- we don't want to navel gaze too much here, but obviously, you know, our job is to hold this administration, every administration accountable, but the president responded on a day such as this with this tweet, the fake news media is the opposition party is very bad for our great country, uh, but we are winning. Uh, Once again, Ron, I I go back to, you know, we're we're not supposed to be shocked anymore, uh, but on a day when the media is banding together, the press is banding together, newspapers are banding together and saying that the press is not the enemy of the people, the president responds in that way. Well, look, the point of freedom of the press is not only for people who own a press. It is really for every American to be able to speak their mind. Uh, and, uh, you know, we kind of see not only the, the tweet, but the actual a- action, you know, at John Brennan, which is kind of aimed at a different way of threatening that, that freedom of speech. I mean, the scary thing is that uh, the, uh, the, the nature of the Trump presidency is to widen every divide in American life. There's no, no doubt, no question. There are a lot of doubts growing in 
in some quarters and, uh, about about the press and that we are kind of retreating uh, is difficult for any institution to have equal credibility across the red blue divide not only in the press but really any institution in society but we have not had so that long predates Donald Trump the difference is we have not had a president who has viewed it as central to his political strategy to exacerbate those divides in effect to encourage one section of America to view the other as an enemy and, David, uh, and many as, as I said yeah. he, you know he's, in some ways he's, he's, he's running as a wartime president as the president of red America against blue America and against any institution yeah. that he can portray as a threat not only to him but to uh, to his voters and so we are in for some very rocky roads and some very kind of high waves we're not going to navel gaze but we're going to navel gaze and by the end we're going to prove that yes we are activists because that's what that's all about you don't do this under democratic presidents Barack Obama kicked motherfuckers off his plane all the time. Barack Obama did nothing but for eight years say Fox News is Satan. You agreed with it because A, they kick your ass in the ratings. B, they're conservative. And I could list a million times that you have gone on your airwaves, CNN specifically, MSNBC totally, and said everybody that voted for fucking Trump, you're Nazi. You're waiting at the terminal as the Jews are coming off and you're telling them to go in the fucking gas chamber. That was said on a network by Donnie Deutsch. I'm not making this shit up. Every fucking night, Don Lemon, fucking Anderson Cooper, Chris Cuomo, they infer that if you may not be a Nazi, you may not be a racist, but you abide a racist, so that makes you a racist. Every night... You dogpile the middle of the country. So I don't fully say, hey, they're the, the enemy of the people. They're the enemy of free press. Our free press is the enemy of the free press. They no longer just report things. They report activist things. It's over on Fox, all conservative. The rest of the media, all Democrat. They don't tell you the whole truth about terrorist attack. Because it goes against the liberal thing. Well, we can't bash Muslims. Can't do that. Oh, my God. We don't talk about the transgender epidemic that's fucking kids up and sterilizing. We don't talk about that there isn't a million people that are gay. That there isn't a zillion fucking people that are transgenders. We lied about AIDS to get people to fucking donate. It wasn't rampant in the hetero world. It was only in the gay world and a few people with blood transfusions. We took a little boy and you made him a poster child. You've never been unbiased. The New York Times has never picked a Republican candidate. It's never happened. It, you just aren't for free press. You cannot go to work every day and be objective. It's impossible. You don't know how to do it. And I would say you are the enemy of anybody who's not a diehard progressive. And why are you the enemy? Because you every day say, we suck. You disparage our lifestyles. You disparage our religion. You disparage where we live. You disparage the cars we drive, the food we eat. I mean, on this podcast for two fucking years, I've proved nothing but the media mocking the South. They forget to realize a lot of goddamn minorities live here. It isn't just a white lily world. And they eat goddamn chicken gizzards like everybody else. I don't know where that came from. I eat chicken gizzards like crazy in South Carolina. But the point is, it's not like everybody down here is just fucking like you. We're not like you. We don't live like you.
You hate everybody out the bubble. So though I dog Trump, should stop, let it go. Why wouldn't he? Obama used all sorts of PC fucking gender identity politics over and over to rile his base. He told people to take to the streets in your slippers and house coats and go after them cops, a la Black Lives Matter. He did it. You didn't have a fucking problem with that. You thought it was okie-dokie because you were on TV saying that all cops were racist. I mean, any way you look at it, I I could sit here for an hour and just talk about all the incidents since Bush got elected by the Supreme Court. Well, you guys just gave the fuck up on being objective. You just don't care. You are for the Democratic Party. Abdul Jabbar, Type 1 each, Hollywood Reporter Post, compare Anthem to Songs of Slavery. Because slaves used to sing. This is his analogy. Slaves used to sing a lot. The way he said they were forced to sing. Thus forcing them to sing the national, uh, the national Anthem or the Pledge of Allegiance or anything like that. You're basically treating them like slaves. Okay. Using yours, if I if I have have an African American friend and I hand him a cotton shirt or tell him to pick up that cotton shirt, I've now told him to pick cotton. Right? That's what you're fucking saying. Are you fucking shitting me? Get the fuck out of here. CNN politics: the definitive ranking of 2020 Democrats. Basically, if you're white, don't apply. Yeah, that's what it is. And then we get to our Brennan, our brave media firefighters. Here's Jim Scudo starting it off. DNI Coates, the national senior and most intelligent official, was not consulted. And Jennifer Jacobs, who works for Bloomberg, who is just as liberal. Yeah, that's a lie. He was. Everybody was consulted. Brennan's first tweet, the action of part of a broader effort by Mr. Trump to suppress freedom of speech and punish critics. I'm not reading anymore. It's a fucking lie. Katie Turr, certainly with the move of Omarosa News down the runway... Certainly will move the Omarosa news down the rundown. And what she was trying to say, he did it to wag the dog and get off of Omarosa. She never uttered those words when Clinton fucking nuked Afghanistan to try to everybody stop talking about him getting a blowjob. That was cool back then. They made a fucking movie about it. He was so good at it. But, you know, whatevs. Andrea Mitchell, all three networks leading evening news with what they call unprecedented White House attempt to silence critics. Cheryl Atkinson. Remember John Brennan is many things, but he's not an ordinary critic. His greatest hits include misleading Senate intel Democrats about a CIA spying on Congress and got away with it. He's now a TV news analyst. Silencing John Brennan would mean, well, making it where he wouldn't be on TV. Couldn't go on Twitter and social media. I don't think that's happening, nor should it. He isn't silenced. Rob Reiner, gotta vote. Tyranny. Jim Scudo. Mr. Trump's claims of no collusion are in word hogwash. Former CIA director John Brennan. Joe Perticchio. Senate Intel Chairman Richard Burr. If, however, Director Brennan's statement is purely political and based on conjecture, the president has full authority to revoke his security clearance and head of an executive branch. And others have written notes, but then others have said, yeah, he can do that. He has the right to pull anybody's, anybody's security clearance. He has the right. He's the president. But he's not losing his freedom of speech. He just can't get intel anymore. And a lot of Americans, if you go on Twitter and actually look at it, why do they get it? 
Helping with the job means, well, when I was there, I went to this, or I'd use this agency, or I got this information over here. doesn't mean you still get to see Intel and go on MSDNC and blab about it, but you can't tell NBC that. Here's fucking NBC losing it. Good evening, everyone. It looks a lot like payback tonight for some former senior government officials who have spoken out against President Trump. The president yanking the security clearance for former CIA boss John Brennan today, accusing him of using his access to sow division and chaos in the White House. And tonight, several others are on notice their access to classified materials could be coming to an end, too. Our Kristen Welker explains what's behind it. Unprecedented. President Trump tonight revoking the security clearance of one of his harshest critics, career intelligence official and former CIA director John Brennan, who's also an NBC News analyst. Press Secretary Sarah Sanders reading a statement from the president in which he accused Brennan of erratic behavior and abusing his access without offering evidence. Mr. Brennan has recently leveraged his status as a former high-ranking official with access to highly sensitive information to make a series of unfounded and outrageous allegations, wild outbursts on the internet and television about this administration. Brennan has called Mr. Trump everything from a traitor to a danger to the country, and he responded forcefully tonight. Revoking my security clearances uh, is his way of trying to get back at me. But um, I think I have uh, tried to voice the concerns of millions of Americans and uh, this is not going to deter me at all. The White House also announcing it's reviewing the security clearances of other intelligence and law enforcement officials, many of them Trump critics or involved in the Russia investigation, including fired FBI Director James Comey, former CIA Director Michael Hayden, Obama's National Security Advisor Susan Rice, and former Director of National Intelligence James Clapper, who called the move an infringement of First Amendment rights. Some were on TV last night saying that's that is appropriate that he be fired because he embarrassed the nonpartisan nature of the FBI and called that into disrepute. What say you? You were with the FBI. I was, and I know the deputy director, Dave Bowditch, and I know him to be a good, decent man. And he made the integrity. decision. And he made the decision. So a couple of things, Andrea. Dave Bowditch is the senior most career FBI official in the entire agency. He's not a political appointment. He's a career guy who came up through the ranks. Second, as much as I like Peter Strzok, he exhibited remarkably bad judgment. And so when you go through the factors of whether or not someone's demoted or suspended or fired, one of those factors is whether you bring disrepute to the agency, whether you bring shame to the FBI. And he did. And so it's not a crazy decision. In fact, I understand why Dave Bowditch did it. As we say into Zork, yeah, 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 we're still fucking... Chuck Todd, I don't know if folks realize how extraordinary the undemocratic small d it is for President of the United States to run down a civil service like this. He then tried to build a criminal case against the President. Cue for legal folks. When does this become intimidation tactic and to the point of legal obstruction? Yeah. Whole Twitter screen. Here's the deal. First sort twist twit is this. Zork GoFundMe, $315,000. I'm not even going to go into this legal defense thing. I'm just going to let Caleb Howe handle it for me. What the fuck? 
If you donated to this ridiculous GoFundMe, please don't give me your bullshit about how Planned Parenthood needs my tax dollars. Give them all this extra cash you got lying around to give to people who are already rich. And he's right. FBI dude is literally owning the libs to get back at Trump. Comfortably smug. Dems giving to Zork. What the fuck? I love guys that undermine the FBI and cheat on their wives now. Handling your money to a guy who did what you're mad about Trump doing to own Trump. Do the analogy right there. That's exactly factual. You're mad at Trump for the very same thing this fucktard did. And... I love the Zork conversation. I don't want to get muddled into it. But this is the perfect intellectual dishonesty of anybody who's on the resistance. If anybody uttered those texts towards Barack Obama, you would have fucking lost it. It wouldn't be good enough to be fired. They'd have to go to jail. And if the shoe was on the other foot and that very same person was put in charge of Trump's, or not Trump's, but uh, yeah, Hillary's, sorry. If he was put in charge of Hillary's investigation, you would be like, oh my God, no fucking way. No fucking way that that guy, no, that guy cannot be investigating Hillary. He's a Trump sycophant. No fucking way. You wouldn't allow, you wouldn't allow it. But now you've given him, last I checked, it was 315 two days ago. I'm sure it's $400,000. He doesn't even need the money. You fucking people. The guy wasn't worthy of the position he held if it was the opposite. You know it if you judge in your heart. If anybody said that about Obama, anybody, and I fucked the analogy up, but you know, if they said it about Obama, then investigated Obama, that's what I meant to say, you would shit your fucking pants. It would be racist, KKK motherfuckers. But now with Trump, it's like he's a fighter. He is saving the world. Yeah, whatever. Tweets of the day. Does this president really physically not like dogs? Uh, that's right, Brian. He's actually the first president in more than 100 years who's not had a dog uh, as a pet in the White House. He has lived with a dog before when he first got married to his first wife, Ivana. Uh, she brought with her a poodle. Uh, he resisted the dog. He didn't want to have anything to do with the poodle, but she said, the poodle's coming along. Chappie's coming along. Turns out Chappie didn't like Trump very much because whenever Trump would come near Ivana's closet, Chappie would bark at him territorially. Ivana writes about this in her memoir that came out a few months ago. We launched an extensive web search that took us at least a few minutes and we could only find one photo extant in all the land of Donald Trump yeah, with a dog. Yes, but it's deadly serious what he does uh, with that word, uh, using it as an attack. He's dehumanizing his enemies. That's the goal there. Uh, and there's a long history, actually, of authoritarian leaders uh, who've used these an animalistic slurs uh, as insults to dehumanize individuals or groups of people. Uh, we remember in, during the Holocaust, uh, the Nazis would call Jews. Yeah, that's just what the fuck? Reagan Battalion. Brian Williams needs a new staff ASAP, Williams. We launched an extensive web search and could only find one photo of real Donald Trump with a dog. Watch below what we found. Are you a Google wizard? Try it yourself. Google Images. Type 
in Trump with Dog. Why in the world would a news anchor simply lie about something as unimportant and stupid as this? Because he's lazy and he does not have an ounce of respect for his viewers. And that is a tweet of the day. Of the day! I, I like the idea that, that, that you know, you see use the examples, the bad example of like what would be the core that would say it was okay for Donald Trump to dissolve media institutions because media institutions are super unpopular. I would like a pollster to test this question. How many people in the Republican Party think that it would be okay for Trump to dissolve their own grandparents? I'm virtually certain that if it was a Donald Trump related question, like 10% that would be like, Donald Trump has the power to... Oh, he did that on purpose. He not only wanted to have me isolated, he wanted me to be afraid, and he was effective okay. at that. I but was you weren't afraid, afraid because you went in there just like you're here, and you boldfacedly walked in with a recording device. How did yes. you get past the electronic sensors that can pick up on a recording machine in the Situation Room? How'd you pull it off? You know, Chris, because of the threats from the president and his legal team, I'm going to not share that information. You didn't have a pen or something. But like I will that? tell you that I'm so glad that I did it because no one, it, no one would believe me if I didn't have that recording that Don, that General Kelly said that he runs the White House and not the president. He's in control. The staff answers to him and not the president. No one would believe that he would say yeah. that, that Donald Trump is being puppeted. When you got this, is, my mind's jumping around here. There's so much uh, work on <laughs> this today. It took hours. But, you know, when you uh, were listening to that tape finally after you published Unhinged, after you published, <laughs> I don't mind showing it off. We sell books here. That's tingly spit mouth Matthews ejaculating all over the Omarosa book. I'm not even covering that shit. Then there's Deborah Messing. I wear a 1973 necklace to honor Roe versus Wade. I proudly wear this urgent reminder, she says. You know you're just a sick motherfucker if killing babies is so imp- important to you. You have special killing baby jewelry. Really. Florida woman finds sense to community service. For false rape accusation, Nicole Marie Hosmer, a 22-year-old from Leesburg, Florida, pleaded no contest. She just made it up because she didn't like the motherfucker. Yeah. Then there's yet YG. I'm not going to go in depth to this because it's, you know, popular culture and I'm old and I'm not very popular in the culture. Um, he got kicked off the airline. I, I'm just going to read the reply by United. In our culture, every interaction with a customer or team member should be grounded in respect. Please meet us in DMs with more info. And they have a video of him being a dick. So I'm going to go with the airline saying he's a dick and not being a racist. Yeah, yeah. This is why I stopped buying 10 or buying Pearl Jam albums after 10. That's what I meant to say. Here's a reprehensible Trump-killing Pearl Jam poster causing a stir. This thing... D.C. burning tester, evil Knievel on a tractor, over the cesspool below, Russian money, golf courses, hookers, Maryland, Matt, stars and stripes, as flaming y'all know the deal, we're at a tipping point, and it's time for action. John Tester is the real deal, and nobody cares more about a country, and especially Montana. So here we are, and the picture has Trump done, and it's just a fucking hot mess. Official artwork by Jeff Armrett and Bobby Brown from last night's show in Missoula. Skeletal remains of Trump on the front lawn. That's why I stopped listening to him. And if they were putting out music with Trump, is just got the biggest dick in the world, and he is a god. Stop listening to him too. Entertainment's supposed to be entertaining.
not political. DNC Chief Tom Perez plays this tiny audience at a mall, empty seats in the front row, yet I never saw the media double down with the pictures like they did for Romney. Just throwing it out there. Then Hillary Clinton praises child who knelt during the Pledge of Allegiance. It's a total plant video. They put it all over the place to show how awesome this little kid is. It takes courage to exercise your right to protest injustice, especially when you're 11. Keep up the good work. And I once again state, her her reason for this, I don't know, she was 11, is because of Colin Kaepernick. When parents are doing that, I look at that as child abuse. If they were pushing kids to hate fucking black people, worship Trump, whatever, that's not parenting. You're supposed, to let your, you're supposed to expose your kids to stuff and let them make their own choices. Religion, politics, it doesn't fucking matter. I may argue like cats and dogs with my daughter and half the time she fucking hates me because I'm a deplorable, but at the end of the day, I didn't make her that way. She chose that. That's how it's supposed to fucking work. Fucking your kids up with a crazy ass. My five-year-old Twitter just told me that I need to do this, this, and this. Shut up! Your five-year-old's supposed to be watching fucking TV. Eating fucking Cheerios, not worrying about Trump. Senator Chris Murphy says a lot of silly things. For example, just this morning he was babbling about how 130 million Americans with pre-existing conditions would lose their health care if Kavanaugh is confirmed. That's just... I thought it was about abortion. I'm confused. So fucking Confused. But I love people. He went on another tirade about we need to ban everybody from Facebook to YouTube, everything. Dana Loesch. He's not a fan of the Second or First Amendment. Elect officials call for censorship. And one of his constituents who says, I am one of your constituents. So you ignore the part of your oath of office, the states you will defend and uphold the Constitution. And I ask you, why is that never whipped out by reporters? Oh, I know. Because they're hypocrites. Hypocrisy! But it's, it's really an important part of our democracy to have an excellent world-class news organization like CNN is, like other news organizations are. And it's, it's very concerning, very worrisome of course that the is. President of the United States, you know, goes after us the, the way he does. Does it ever make you mad? Yes. It does, yeah. It, it makes me very mad. I, 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 but unlike some people, I never really see you get mad, and I watch you a lot. It, it, it and I, I makes don't... me very uh, upset uh, to see when, when he says, you know, we're fake news and we're the worst, and he points at the journalists at, at these events, and he says, you know, we're, we are not the enemy of the people. You personally, you are here to say that you, are, Wolf Blitz, are not the enemy of we, the people. We, I'm not just me, but all of us, serious news organizations, uh, we are not the enemy of the American people. 
we report the news. It's part of our democracy. What worries me so much is that when the president says what he says, uh, it gives encouragement to dictators out there around the world to go after a free press. And they say, look, fake news, disgusting people. We got to get rid of them. And, and it's a very we have journalists at CNN and other major news organizations who risk their lives every day to get the story, to be responsible and to do it in, in a fair way. And for the uh, president to belittle us, that's an awful, awful situation and, now, and very, very dangerous. And now there are people and we're not even just talking about reporters specifically, but even there are camera guys and audio guys who are on the scene at a rally in Florida and he's getting people stirred up. He doesn't know who's in that crowd. He doesn't know what someone might do. Right. It's, it's truly irresponsible. Totally. If we got to get rid of him, right? <laughs> We have, to, we have to convince him to stop talking like that because it's, it's really, really a dangerous situation. It's an awful situation. And uh, I, I hope he, he stops doing it. Uh, and I'm I, sure and he will. People, I'm sure he'll see the error uh, of his ways. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's, it's, not, it's not good. Yeah, that's a good start to hypocrisy. That is fucking Blitzer and Kimmel. We need to get rid of Trump. That's a major news anchor. Then you got the New York Times, sad the Iowa town, too nice to lecture NRA chairman in the midst. Whole article about Iowa town got all fucked up because NRA and they're all fucked up and everybody's fucked up. Then they did, plays identity politics, Dems remarkable counterpoint to anti-Muslim policy and sentiment. Let's break it down. New York Times reporter Elizabeth Diaz and celebrated Rashida Talib's Democratic primary victory in Detroit run along with their supporters and candidates' Palestinian heritage infuses a sense of community in Detroit. In November, Ms. Talib pronounced Talib, I don't know why they put that in there, a daughter of Palestinian immigrants may become the first Muslim woman to serve in Congress. Her victory in the Democratic primary last week, though narrow, all but guarantees her election as she is running unopposed in a very blue district that Representative John Conyers Jr. held for more than half a century. Yeah, look at that stuff. Diaz admitted that Talib's champions progressive policies like Medicare for All, a 15 minimum wage, and abolishing ICE, and is both a Democrat and a Democratic Socialist. But the real story is she's Muslim. Already, her story offers a remarkable counterpoint to anti-Muslim policy and sentiments rising around the country, and especially to President Trump, who has banned travel from several majority Muslim countries, just like Barack Obama did, but we didn't have a problem with it. The mosaic of American politics. She passed her old high school southwestern, now boarded up and empty because of budget cuts, and cried out in delight when she noticed someone had put her campaign sign on the fence. Down the road, she painted out the mural she helped paint years ago beneath the bridge and the sidewalk where she vomited after a girl beat her up at age 9 or 10 because she was scrawny and poor. Never heard anything about that. Whole love story that you'll never see for conservative. It could be a conservative, black, transgender, gay, extreme Islamist. And the New York Times would never do an article on him. Then the Washington Post crosses what I like to call a dangerous line. At what point do outlets like the Washington Post, New York Times, CNN cross the line from being far-left sites who rationally despise Trump to potentially inciting indiscriminate violence with truly despicable and dangerous words? With one of its latest attack on the president, the Washington Post shamefully reinforced that the point has long since been reached in an outrageous screed going after Trump titled The Path of Autocracy, 
is all too familiar. The liberal propaganda sheet for the resistance attached a photo of Hitler Youth gleefully burning books. Hitler Youth burning books. As irresponsible and disgraceful as the photo was, it paled in comparison to the words of the piece. Fully understanding that the multi-billionaire Washington Post owner Jeff Bezos may himself be biased against Trump and may not grasp or choose to ignore the escalating danger of such potentially violent inciting pieces, there are still some well-respected adults in the room at the paper who most certainly do understand that threat. Where are the voices? Why are they silent? Who has the courage and decency at the paper to say that these reprehensible connections of President of the United States to Hitler, the Holocaust, genocide, must stop? Not only are they obscenely insulting to the millions of Jews and others put to death by Hitler and its collection of Nazi psychopaths, but they are purposeful lies seeking to facilitate a desired political outcome for reasons of ideological ideology. Sorry, I fucked that up. And it goes on to twist it. Later in the paper, they compared Trump to Goebbels. Goebbels. That's a newspaper. That's the freedom of press that's supposedly being infringed under Trump. Really? How about this? Nets Barry Ellison abuse claims Trump aid scandal drew 153,000 times more fucking. It's 153 times. But it's 153, all I heard about was Omarosa. You can't find somebody talking about freaking Ellison beating that lady. During the White House briefing, four times more questions about Omarosa that has already not panned out. Nothing. She doesn't have the whole N word. All of it's not panned out. That's all they ask for questions. Networks ignore conservative Kansas win after saying he's a fucking racist forever. That's kind of weird. And then this is my favorite. NBC News helps fill in details a fellow NBC employee and MSDNC producer, Kyle Griffin 1, just somehow magically missed. His tweet. ICE detained a man while he was driving his pregnant wife to the hospital. He was taken when they stopped for gas. My husband needs to be here, Maria Del Carmo Vingea said. He had to wait for his son for so long, and someone just took him away. Sounds like a horrible story. It's truly sad. The problem is, NBC News, man who was arrested while taking his pregnant wife to the hospital, is wanted for murder in Mexico. He's a murderer. Do you see how far they've gone? If you go over to MSDNC, HuffPo, nobody talked about that story. That was all over Twitter. How far the Gestapo got a guy going to deliver a baby. He's a murderer. So let's put the question to you. If it was a white Trump voter getting gas, which is pretty fucked up if your wife's going to go in labor, you probably should be gassed up. I mean, at least I was for two kids. Getting gas, and they arrested him because he murdered a black person. Let's make it nice and juicy for you. It fits all your stereotypes. Would you have a problem with that? I'm just asking because I'm sure you'd be jerking the fuck off. Fuck her and a racist baby. That's what you would say. <laughs> you would fucking fuck them motherfuckers. You don't even research shit. There we got this fucking shit. This is Veshi. 
once again, I don't have to call it bias. They just do it. Uh, you are running on a very progressive platform. Uh, the issues you're running on include internet access for everyone, $15 minimum wage, paid family leave, universal primary health care, uh, and a ban on assault weapons, uh, as well as uh, overdose prevention sites. Uh, as you said, Vermont is a progressive state in a lot of ways. Are you finding a lot of support for these ideas? Yes, but I, I want to point out some of those issues, I don't even know why we call them progressive. You know, to, to uh, expect everybody to have health care and, and have a living wage, that seems well, like you're that's Well, you're to the converted. I'm Canadian, so uh, I, I'm with oh, you yeah, on that. Yeah. I'm not, I, thought, I think of these as normal platforms, not progressive. Right, right, yeah, there you go. The Cook Political Report rates your race as solid Republican, meaning um, they suggest that Governor Scott's going to win a second term. His popularity has decreased uh, recently. Uh, does that daunt you? Oh, no, not at all. In fact, I, you know, if you look at his, his trajectory, he, uh, a few months ago he was the third most popular governor. Right. Now he's the 13th most unpopular. You know, I, I, always, uh, I always look at these polls as looking in the rearview mirror. Um, certainly, Vermonters are really upset with how he, his divisive leadership in the state. And just last night, that uh, you know, he's he went there in terms of t adopting the national uh, GOP agenda of using fear. You know, as, if you look, you know, I'm going to lead by hope and aspiration. He's going to lead by fear and division, and it's going to be very clear. You know, last night he told people, Christine's going to raise your taxes. Christine's going to raise your taxes. I never said I was going to raise anybody's taxes. Who wants to raise taxes? That's just not something anybody would want to do. I'm Canadian. These are normal. Really? Really? That, that's, that's what you said? And the thing nobody wants to talk about is he's interviewing that Vermont governor Thing. And I'm just going to say what my wife did. You can call me a transphobe. Not even remotely a girl. Doesn't remotely look like a female at all. It looks like me with a wig on. And they're calling her her pre-op. I understand it's a PC. But if there ever was a time that somebody doesn't look like a female that is transgender, that's the time. I'm just telling you, there's no doubt. That's a dude that's not even trying to be a female. I, If I wanted to really break it down, I would literally state the following. I think that dude did it because it gets him elected. I'll look like a freaking chick and people vote like crazy for me. Because it's a fucking crazy rabid left that goes out to vote for people like that. Doesn't matter what they think about. And then he gets a list of liberal shit. It would be like a Christian, conservative, white dude, racist motherfucker. I'm going to run the gambit of fucking right-wing votes. That's what he's doing. I, 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 I got to say it. But remember, before you blow me up and say I'm a fucking piece of shit because I bash transgender, my wife said it. I'm just agreeing with her. And that's okay. Because if I don't, I'm sexist. It's like a really neat little intersectionality fucking pizza right there and i'm the fucking pepperoni i'm just going along with it and then we got this one this is actually it was aired on cnn this week i just want to remind you it was this week on cnn what the fuck he hasn't been president for almost two years the dear leader barack hussein obama all of it felt like is this a real thing like is it possible that america could do this and so it was all like a collective holding of our breath. 
We're only a few seconds away from the top of the hour when uh, these states will be closing. The rules are that we had to wait until all the voting had ended. And I remember at 10.59.50, my executive producer was in the air saying 10 seconds. It was an electric moment that I'll never forget. And CNN can now project that Barack Obama, 47 years old, he will be the first African-American president of the United States. those lived through segregation, had lived through the civil rights era, it felt like the fulfillment of everything they thought the country could be. When something seems impossible and suddenly it's achieved, it's, it's sort of it was beyond words. Obama believed he'll somehow be able to reach across the aisle. But this kind of hope and change and optimism that had made this such an inspiring campaign runs up against the reality of politics in 2009 when he takes office. President Obama is incredibly ambitious, and he still sees that 2009 is a unique moment. Obama believes that Republicans will vote with him on something that's reasonable, that if he compromises, they will as well. But over the course of the next few months, it turns into a terrible political challenge. The mistake is to think that the country speaks as one, that we're all one thing. What we really are is a mass of reactions. We're always reacting to the last thing that happened. So if the country goes left, you can be damn sure it's going to go right. And if the country is looking good for rich people one day, well, then the poor people are going to hate that and get angry. If we think that we're past race, well, racism will come right back. Our pendulum swings. And in the long run, we make progress. But it can be pretty ugly to watch. You were here in 2014, and it seems very long ago. You were considered, at the time, the far left end of the Democratic Party. There has been a progressive wave, it seems, post the 2016 election. Are you Uh surprised it took this long, or are you uh, relieved that it's finally happening? Do you take... I mean, solace is a weird word, but have you... Do you find it notable that right now, as we come towards the midterms, it seems as though the Republican Party is not actually running on this tax bill they passed, which is the signature achievement of the first half of of Donald Trump's term in office. And stinks like three-week-old garbage. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are... Obviously, we have uh, Justice Kavanaugh. It might be Justice Kavanaugh. He is uh, Trump's pick for the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. It strikes me that maybe progressives are not making the same push to stop this that they had made to, say, stop the repeal of the Affordable Care Act. Do you think this is something that enough effort's being put behind, or do you think it's basically a done deal and he's going to be our next justice? So, you know, look, it is not a done deal. Donald Trump has made his nomination, uh, and he picked somebody off a list that has been pre-screened, pre-screened by not one, but two right-wing extremist groups. 
That's our late late night TV. I just wanted to play because that's our late night TV. That's where we are. Aren't you happy you're super crazy like Pocahontas and or you didn't build build that shit? And let's just talk about democratic politics. Great. Other stats, I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to say it because I said it was going to happen. I did the whole Braveheart skit on here. Once again, not a transphobe. Just don't want my grandkids crapping with the same se- the opposite sex. Man's daughter tells another man tried to forcibly enter her bathroom stall. Now he's in jail for murder. Dude was trying to rape his kid. He fucking killed him. Knew it was going to happen. The problem is, if he wasn't African American, he'd also get a hate crime on top of it. But he was an African-American man killing a white guy, not a hate crime, in our legal system. And they're not going to push the transgender. If he was a white guy, it would be hate crime towards transgender. Guaranteed, sure as fuck, don't even fucking guess. It's That's what it would be. CNN poll finds two-thirds of Americans want the Mueller investigation to end. And it didn't go well. Only the Democrats wanted to drag on. They want to keep it until 2020 because they want to keep doing what they're doing, which is running a negative news story that has no end because there is no end. They're going to get Mueller. They're going to get a bunch of fucking, or not Mueller, but Manafort. They're get a bunch of people for fucking other shit. And they'll probably get Trump for something. But it won't be high crimes and misdemeanors because it'll be 10, 20 years ago. He fucked a panda or something. New info indicates Clinton-funded oppo research launched FBI Trump investigation. There's more proof of it that's out there. Man found contracts showing Obama was paying Trump spy. Obama tried to shut him up by stripping his security. That's all over the right side of the net. I can't confirm that shit. I'm just reading it. All right. Other things that are going to piss people, liberals off. Trump is quietly gutting the clean power plan and turning it back over to the states. For those... Who hate that? You don't understand that what that would have done to your electricity bill. It was going to be epically bad for red states. The South. That's why he did it. Shit wasn't going to affect fucking the coast with big rivers. You got the Colorado, the Columbia, all that shit. You have hydroelectric power. Where we live, the rivers aren't big enough to dam to do that. So, and you can't do it for commerce like on the Mississippi. So what happens? Coal power, all those scrubbers, it was all going to your electricity bill. Um, another one, remember when the FCC voted 3-2 to two to repeal Obama's era and everybody was supposed to be dead? Well, it's been proven since it went into effect, all right, and, and other things that I didn't even know, like it's going to cost you $2 to Google. And I mean, all these crazy things. We went through that sign, and everybody was going to die. Net neutrality was the end of the world. Internet speeds have increased the United States exponentially. We're now the sixth fastest. We used to be the 12th. All because of net neutrality. Isn't that interesting? That'll never hit the fucking news. Science. Kids with religious parents less likely to kill themselves. This was a JAMA, JAMA Psychiatry, not a conservative site. They did a fucking research on this over 2,000 freaking kids. And the kids that have a Christian or some, it wasn't Christian, it was just religion. They had religion, were less likely to commit suicide or even attempt it. thought that was an interesting stat. CBS Refinery 29 poll reveals, wait for it, women reject abortion 
feminism, and the media. And we're going to break this one down. On abortion, 18 to 35 found only 28% want abortion legal in all cases. Other results include 34 want abortion legal in most cases, 25% want abortion illegal in most cases, and 13 want abortion illegal in all cases. That's stunning. Which ended up 72% want some kind of restriction. But you'll never hear that in the media. Other one, feminism. More than half of the millennial women surveyed refused to identify as a feminist, while 46% consider themselves feminists, 54 did not. Plurality. They don't wear the pussy hat. And then the media. The poll reported that only 7% of them trust the media almost always. Accurate information. 25 said most of the time, 42% only sometimes, and 26% almost never. So, I thought that was earth-shaking. That's a huge poll of millennials growing up, moving forward, because I probably didn't say the word millennial in there anywhere until the end, so I fucking suck on that Rita back. But damn, and I bet if you did the same thing, you would find out there's a lot less skinny jeans wearing period stained pants sitting in a bench going trans people bleed too no they don't if you don't have a vagina and ovaries you can't bleed so you squirt some ketchup on your crotch to be an ally get a fucking clue that was all over twitter this week kept seeing that picture of some fucking skinny jean wearing freak with period pants and i just said what the fuck the trump i read was some some badass army dude, and he said, and I bet his grandpa stormed Normandy. <laughs> That's probably true. That's how far it's gone. What the fuck? So we're going to go to a music break. It's going to be a Nine Inch Nail remix. I found it on the net, and we're going to news, social media, nuggets.
Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. But I'm a Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, right see these girls? Yep. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls and they'll pop your figs. Save the whales. And we're in the military corner. A Green Beret dies after being wounded by IAD in Afghanistan. Army Special Forces is in mourning at the loss of Sergeant First Class Raymond R. Transfigarciano, 36, who died on Sunday after being wounded in an IED. He was originally from the Philippines. Please be with us. Prayers be with his family. That's just freaking horrible. Two Marines received Valor Awards for secret gunfight against Al-Qaeda in North Africa. Two members of the Marine Special Operations Command received Valor Awards for their heroism during a gun battle last year with Al-Qaeda militants in North Africa. Um, did not give the names. Uh, they're going to get the Navy Marine Corps Achievement Medal with V-Device. That's freaking horrible. Give them better than that. Decorated Marine who served in World War II, Korea, and Vietnam gets emotional burial at sea. Robert Barry Sinclair. And this dude was highly decorated aviator who served in the three biggins. I mean, he didn't, like, do some skirmish shit like I did. Um, his resume is unbelievable. I mean, this guy was a fucking badass. So they gave him a burial at sea, and I think that is that is fantastic. I mean, guys like that... Man, if they want to freaking be launched to the moon, we should do it um, for what they gave to this country. U.S. troops just scored their largest pay raise in nearly a decade. The $1,717 billion National Defense Authorization Act included a 2.6 pay increase for military personnel, the largest raise in a decade. Trump signed the measure Monday. Military.com estimates the pay raise will mean about 670 more annual for junior enlisted troops and about 1,300 more for senior enlisted and junior officers. Um, we believe our war fighters deserve the tools, the equipment, and resources they have earned with their blood, sweat, and tears, Trump said. And I am sure somewhere on the Internet, people are losing it on the left, going, fuck them, unlow-skilled pieces of fucking shit. Air Force fighters and Army Apaches killed 220 Taliban and Ghazi fight. U.S. Air Force fighters and Army helicopter gunships have attacked and killed more than 220 Taliban forces in Ghazi over the past several days after militants launched a massive attack on the Afghan city less than 100 miles from Camp Kabul. Ghazi city remains under Afghan government control, uh, said Lieutenant Colonel Martin O'Donnell. They did some serious sorties, just fucked them up. And that, my friends, is sexy. That's good shit. Keep pounding them. Hooligans of Kandahar is a war memoir we need right now. 
I'm not going to read the article. Go to Task and Purpose. Looks interesting. I'm thinking about buying it and doing a book report. Um, it's an interesting take. It's different than most uh, military books because it comes from a Kiowa warrior uh, who actually wrote it, uh, pilot. So interesting. Check it out. Probably should tell you the author. That'd be a great idea. And uh, where's the author? Yeah, fuck. It's buried. Just go look up Hooligan of Kandahar. I am half-assing this section today. To our college. Crazy. You know, I do this college section. I've been looking for a long time for this article, so it's like I wanted to do a sound effect on the backside, but I was really busy today, and I had to jam this in between busy, busy. Because I was going to have angels singing and all sorts of shit in the back. Researchers identify 31 types of anti-atheist microaggressions. Woohoo! We have done it! It's like winning the publisher's clearinghouse right now for some liberal fucking nut job out there. Yeah. Team of researchers is creating a microaggression against non-religious individual scale to help therapists understand the 31 unique types of microaggressions faced by atheist individuals. Accordingly to the research, according to the researchers, atheists can suffer mental harm if others assume that they are religious. Act surprised that they do not believe in God or assume that they have no morals. Oh my Examples of microaggressions the manures assesses include Others have assumed that I am religious. Others have acted surprised that I do not. I okay, we just read that, but they're going over again. Others have teased me because of my non-religious identity. Others have assumed I have no morals. Others suggested I am too sensitive about discrimination to, to against non-religious people. Having this microaggression scale can empower non-religious individuals to talk about their experience with prejudice. The researchers asserts, suggesting that it can help clinicians to better understand the type of prejudices that their non-religious clients experience in their everyday lives, while also making the clients feel more comfortable discussing these subtle experiences of bias with their therapist. You know what? I want my own group. I, I need this. I need a microaggression. Can it be like fat white guys, bald dude, um, dudes that have small penises. I fit in all those categories, I'm assuming. I've never done a whole survey on my penis size. Probably would never do that. I mean, the fact of the matter is, I needed this goddamn group. I need this. You know, here's the problem with this one. If you go on Twitter, and I can't believe I just talked about my penis. It's the first time that's happened on the show. I, I would edit it out, but what the fuck? We'll leave it for a joke. The fact of the matter is, you go on Twitter or Facebook, all you see is atheists dogging on people. So maybe they should think about the aggression, not microtype, but the aggression they put out on Christians. You could go all day. Even this this dude, I mean, somewhere in here, I thought, this Vermont person, they're not going to call it a her, because it's a dude, literally dogs Christians left and right. Everything under the sun. If it isn't Trump's fault, it's Christian's fault. So I don't get the microaggressions. You have outright aggression for Christians, and maybe you need to check that. Vanderbilt revises event accusing white women of fake allyship. They put out a whole thing. I'm not going to read it because it's kind of stupid. But the point is, they tried to be like the left coast and the right coast, and they realized they were in Nashville, and nobody bought their shit and fucking rejected it and dogged them, so they changed it. Good for them. 
Professor's fair engineering exam may be biased against women. Here it is. The STEM shit just cracks me the fuck up. Two Kansas State University professors suggest the biases in the exam itself may be the reason that women are statistically less likely to pass engineering license exams than their male counterparts. Nationally, the professors found that women are 11.6% less likely to pass the principles and practice practice of engineering exam. So what are we going to do? Let's fix it! We'll have a women's and a male, just like the military did. So that we can say there's no bias. Okay. That's fine. Change the test. That fixes it right there. We'll have engineers with less qualifications and engineers with the qualifications that we've deemed through hundreds of years they need so we can check a fucking PC block. Sounds good. Just tell me which fucking bridge they're building and I'm not driving across it. Gender ethics studies professor earn about 12K more than their peers. I just want to break this down like TA fucking 50 in the army. I got to come up with a civilian version of that. I want to break it down like a tent. That doesn't work. Notably, professors of subjects like gender and ethics studies made about 15,000 more than math, biology, and physical sciences. So basically, we pay people more to make up shit than real important shit. I need to know math for my job as an engineer. No, you don't. We're going to pay this motherfucker up here to go through the female gender studies of African-American transgender queer people. Okay. I need that at my new work. Well, to be honest, in this world, you probably do need that more than the fucking math. Because you're going to say the wrong thing. It's like today I said, I got to go through my my, uh, pain clinic. And they do a cognitive test before you could get your urinalysis. Because they want to make sure you're not stoned out of your gourd, I guess. I don't know. So I said, was this to make sure I'm not full retard? And oh my god, the wind came out of the room. It was a Asian dude who laughed. And then he stopped laughing because everybody stared at him. And it was a millennial female who I might as well just called her a hoe bag. I mean, it was just terrible. And once again, I'm not saying what I said was right. I worked with Special Olympics. I know you're not supposed to say retarded, but sometimes it comes out. It took me a fucking decade to stop saying fag. Fag never meant gay person. It means just a dick, a dude, a bro, a friend. I mean, you use fag for all sorts of shit. You never used it towards a homosexual because you didn't know any homosexuals. So you didn't say, hey, a faggot to a faggot. You didn't say that. I just did it, didn't I? Uh, that's fucking hard. University hires radical leftist Noam Chomsky to teach politics. Understand, Chomsky is seven steps over fucking Soros. This dude is a nut job. He's going to get a $250,000 a year salary to teach people America fucking sucks. Isn't that great? Mm. I could have taught that class under Obama. I said it sucked a lot. Especially at tax time. Trans model stars a new feminist survival film in Trump era. Oh, let's hear about this because we covered this briefly a couple podcasts ago. And I still can't figure out the Trump era, what's happening to trans people because there's been nothing changed about anything. But let's read. Harry Neff's upcoming film is about a young girl surviving in a social media Trump era. In an August interview with Vanity Fair model Nari Neff, 
discuss starring in a film's Assassination Nation, which hits theaters in September. The movie is a modern reimagination of the Salem Witch Trials, according to Vanity Fair associate editor Kazia Weir. But Neff offered a more descriptive take on it. According to Neff, the feminist survival film is about being a young girl in a social media Trump era and how not to die while you're doing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The trailer paired bloody, nonsensical gun violence with imagery of the American flag. This sounds like a movie for the whole family. These girls are here for each other, and they save each other, and they are not shelter and safety net for each other in the world that is not safe for them. And even in some cases, the world that is not even fundamentally built for them, because there's so much drama in the movie, and there is so much content, contention and conflict and violence. The heart of the film has to be these four girls and their commitment to one another. Unfortunately, one of them's not a real girl. But we call her girl anyway, because if you don't, you're a fucking transphobe. Disney's first gay character outrages LGBT activists. You never thought I'd read that on the show, did you? Because we've been pushing for Frozen to be fucking a bull dyke, and we're supposed to fucking have every character go back and be gay, or else we suck. But then they do it, and they're still pissed. I fucking love it. It's been a long time coming, but Disney finally committed to unveiling its very first official gay character. Exciting times. Well, for some, not right, quite. The news hasn't been exciting for the lefties against whitewashing and all things cultural appropriation because actor Jack Whitehall is not gay. Boom! End statement. There it is. Okay. That's fucking fantastic. You've got what you want, but it's not all you want because you want it to be a guy running around in chaps. Got it. Fan-fucking-tastic. Teen magazines are dangerous and influential sex ed teachers stay. The two worst offenders happen to be the most popular, Teen Vogue and Seventeen. Teen Vogue has 3.38 million Twitter followers and 260 million overall views on YouTube. Seventeen has 1.39 million followers and 270 million overall views. What is this young audience getting from these titles? From Teen Vogue, Sexual Health and Gender Identity section, girls can discover that abortion is funny and answer 20 questions about their first time having sex, which includes how to reach an orgasm. This isn't a new trend. Even as far back as 2009, Planned Parenthood was on 17's list of the teen birth control resources. Yeah, it's a resource for birth control. Just kill it. These magazines push the organization as an expert. A search of Teen Vogue's site for Planned Parenthood returns about 509 results. Encouraging high schoolers to engage in sexual activity while giving them false information is harmful both to the teenagers and to society. I'm not reading these. These are experts. However, these magazines continue to teach dangerous sexual education. Who should the target audience statement like this be? After an orgasm, your body is releasing a prolactin, a hormone that makes you sleepy. If you're not having those orgasms, sleep lightly won't come as easy for you. Yeah, that's for a 17-year-old. Let's just make it harder for them to get an orgasm. You know, they're freaking out if they don't get an orgasm. They'll never sleep again. Yeah, that makes sense. Teen Vogue pushes early sex. According to brand owner Condi Nass, Teen Vogue is a young person's guide to saving the world, and it's providing resources for teens. Throughout the years, the magazine has had controversial articles ranging from harmful sex advice to a demonizing capitalism. And in May 2018, we had the graphic tutorial about anal sex. Philip Picardi called the parents who complain homophobic. Also in May 2018, the magazine introduced young readers to Karl Marx and told him how it was great. Planned Parenthood on Teen Vogue's website is referenced 27 times in just one month. 
Comparatively, abstinence came up 13 times in 2018, and each article called abstinence an old-fashioned approach. Hmm. This article's very long. I'm not going to read it all, but I'm just going to tell you, I in a million years never let my daughter read that shit. Never. They don't need to read that shit. There's nothing wrong with telling your kids, hey, wait. Wait till you make love to the person you care about. Wait till you have sex when it's meaningful. Wait till you, you do it and you're totally prepared mentally and physically to do it. I waited until 16. People dog me all the time. And then when I did, it was a girl I didn't even know that a bunch of guys brought to the party. And I don't even know if she wasn't a prostitute. I don't fucking know. I didn't care. And it was the worst experience ever. Every sexual experience until I met my wife was horrible. It wasn't good. I didn't know what I was doing. I looked like I was fumbling for keys half the time. (laughs) But, you know, what was wrong with that? My parents were abstinence people. I had rubbers. They didn't teach me to use the rhythm method. I mean, we weren't stupid. But they said, wait. And there was nothing wrong with that. Why do we have to push these kids out? You need to get banged and have anal sex by the time you're 13 or else you're fucked for life. Every time I read one of those things, that's what it comes across to me. I'm serious. You need to have anal sex fucking now with multiple partners. And then go to Planned Parenthood. Okay. Germany creates third gender identity for birth registry. It's just called diverse. Oh, yeah, that's nice. That is a catchphrase in itself. First transgender nominee for governor thinks radicalized Christians are a problem. There it is. I'll just read it since I pressed it. She's a part of LGBTQ nation. She is a big deal, but she is a he. I don't care what anybody says. She doesn't. Even if she's had the operation, should have got a facelift. It is literally me with a wig and some boobs. I was shocked. Because, you know, I... Most of the time, you see somebody that's supposed to be in the media and they're transgender, and I don't know what this is, body shaming. I don't fucking care. They look like a female. You know, they might have an Adam's apple, but there is a there is a percentage that looks feminine. This dude didn't even fucking care. I'm calling him a dude. I'm telling you, look this dude up. Christine Hallquist. I don't care if I'm transphobe. I don't care if fucking SoundCloud call it shuts me down. I get Twitter banned and I get a million emails and I'm a fucking transphobe. That's not a girl. I'm serious. But here's her tweets. And we worry about Sharia law. Radicalized Christians are part of the American landscape and we tolerate it. Some of these Christian evangelists are just downright crazy. Several other tweets seem to show a disdain for conservative Christians, including assertion that people who allow children to be harassed for being gay probably call themselves Christian. Hmm. Yeah. You know, extreme Baptists do that stuff, not normal Christians. And, and I don't know why that's okay. Why is it okay? You can't say, what I'm saying about the dude, girl, whatever the fuck candidate, Christine, Chris Hallquist, Probably that was what his original name was. That's a punishable offense. I'm supposed to be taken out on the street and shot in the face repeatedly and then ran over with the bus and then hung on a fucking goddamn freaking bridge for everybody to see with the sign. Transform! But saying Christians are crazy pieces of fucking shit, that's just normal. And saying all white people must die is cool. 
Dude, you had a fuck. It goes back to that army analogy for people who've been on the show a long time. I always call bullshit with the female PT test and the male PT test. Females can have fucking umbrellas. Males supposed to stand out in the greens and be douched. If you want equality, be equal. That should be wrong and that should be wrong. Moving on. Because what I just said is here. California mayor faces resignation demands after writing a piece about straight pride. Probably not a start, smart political move, even in Des Moines, Iowa, but he did it in California. Last month, the California mayor found himself in trouble after writing an opinion piece dedicated to the promotion of what he called straight pride. And in spite of liberal opposition to the now viral column, it looks like he'll get to keep his job for now. Ted Hickam, the vice mayor of Dixon, California, publishes apparently controversial view in the local independent. The July 1st column also appeared on his personal website. Now, before anyone gets their panties in a knot, wrote Hickman, this is not really legally anti-anything. Instead, it's pro-family and proud to be straight American and me expressing a private opinion. The small-town vice mayor's opinion naturally sparked outrage among liberal, resulting in critical coverage by the news publications, including Newsweek, who lost their mind over it. One of the vice mayor's constituents, Allison Heatbrink, had recently relocated to Dixon. In an email to the reporter, she claimed to be having second thoughts about her decision to move to this town, which is located 23 miles outside of Sacramento. Knowing that this kind of offensive, blatant, and hateful rhetoric is willingly and openly shared among city officials makes me quite weary of our decision. We are all entitled to our opinion, but when those opinions are publicly shared and are peppered with such offensive, undeducated stereotypes of a certain community of people, our opinion becomes more than just thoughts and words. They become hurtful and dangerous. The reporter, Heekbrin, also called for a public apology. Vice Mayor Hickman does not need to pretend to change his opinions. He needs to apologize for writing a piece. Blah, 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 blah. A Facebook page titled, We Call Hickman. Oh, you knew they were on that. They had to go fund me and everything. By a group that calls himself the Dixon Coalition and uses an LGBTQ-themed rainbow for a profile, has roughly 2,000 likes and 2,000 followers. But none of that was apparently enough to get the Vice Mayor ousted. In spite of a number of angry protesters... At the July 25th meeting, CBS Sacramento reports the city leaders voted to permit Vice Mayor Hickman to keep his position. Hickman had defended his column by citing First Amendment claiming his rights did not end when he became elected official. So his detractors are not giving up. In a Facebook post, they're saying we're going to kill that motherfucker. Well, that's not what they said, but it's pretty fucking close. But that's pretty ballsy. I still don't understand what's wrong with that. I remember I got all sorts of hate because I looked up. Uh, traditional family logo. Everybody was putting, I'm an ally, I'm gay, rainbow across their shit on Facebook. So me and my wife, just to piss people off, put the straight one, and it's like a male and a female, and they're holding a baby's hand, or a child's hand. And I put it up there. I, the shit I got for that was like, basically I fucked a panda. I fucked a panda. In a Walmart parking lot. It was fucking horrible. America's hottest export? Sperm. I going to say that. I, when I read this article, I was in shock. That's why I'm not reading it. I just, what? We're exporting spunk. Really? That's what we're doing. It's the hottest thing. Not important shit. Not coal. Not fucking steel. Spur. Wow. Georgia police investigating 98,000 ramen noodle heist. And I'm not going to read it because you've all heard it by now. Somewhere on social media. I just had a... Why would you steal ramen? Seriously. What are you going to go around door-to-door selling fucking ramen? 
I mean, in my lifetime, I probably eat $98,000 worth of ramen. I'm pretty fucking close. I know I am. I eat that Shin Ramen from Korea. I eat that shit like fucking crazy. I used to eat it dry and just pour the seasoning on it and chomp that shit the fuck down. But, wow, that's a family's lifetime of ramen. More than 600 birds found in Clintonville home. Humane agents investigating. I just had to read that because 600 birds... I dog my wife for owning three. I hate the bastards. Okay, kind of like the African Grey. He's funny. He actually mocks me. And I don't fart, but every time I go pee, he makes a fart sound. So somebody farted around him once. It wasn't me. I'm just saying. But he does it. It's a hilarious. I mean, we have fa- we have people over, and that bird will start ripping a fart if you hear somebody in the bathroom. It's hilarious. But yeah, 600. They went off the fucking chain. Eyewitness News, teen fatally shoots mother's abusive boyfriend, will not be charged. This whole story, I put at the end, because this was an abusive relationship. He beat the woman. The father, before they got divorced, had taught the child how to use a weapon. When the time came, that child used the weapon and saves the mother's life. It didn't make the media. He's not being charged because it was self-defense for the mother. And I bet there's a thousand of these out there. In a year. People saving people. But you don't hear about it. Because our media is just all about guns are bad. They do no good. No good person ever did anything with a gun. Because we're Democrats and shit. But I thought that was fantastic. It pisses me off because at our time, um, my wife was really against guns in the house. Because the kids, because of the media, we didn't get guns to my... Well, my son was going to college. We finally got a gun in the house. And that's because we had a bunch of break-ins. And my whoop-ass was leaning out. Now we got a bunch of guns because I have no whoop-ass. I have like a five-hour energy of whoop-ass. That's it. It wouldn't last five hours. Probably five seconds. So it's a teeny can of whoop-ass. Two are lighter. Fair. And I'm just going to play it. Because it's funny as shit. Now for this week's gotcha. I savor those weeks when the president says something so offensive and triggering that I have to respond to him directly. And as you know, this week he called his former White House aide, Amarosa Manigault Newman, a lowlife before her referring to her as that dog. Much was rightfully made of the racial and sexist overtone. But then Reverend Sharpton thought, maybe it's none of that. Maybe he's just confused. Because, Mr. Trump, you've called human being the dog so many times. I begin to wonder if you can distinguish between the two. So let me help you out. This is a picture of a dog. This is a picture of a woman. See the obvious difference? I think the confusion lies in that you're so used to engaging in dominant, subordinate relationships that you forget what normal interpersonal encounters look like. So whether enraged or just encouraged, you revert to type. 
They were fired like dogs. We have a, a dirty dog like that who's no good, who's a failure. Rubio doing poorly and he sweats like a dog. I'm watching Marco sweating like a dog. Romney choked, okay? He choked like a dog. He was choking like a dog. Hillary Clinton couldn't be elected dog catcher. I'm watching television and I see her barking like a dog, right? No, she's barking like a dog. Choked, he choked like a dog. Choked like a dog. Choked like a dog. We've seen you employ people, expect unwavering loyalty, teach them tricks and give them treats for a job well done. Like, oh, six figures worth of hush money to silence an alleged affair, for example. But the moment they deviate from their good behavior and fail to fetch, you publicly condemn them or Twitter with animalistic slurs. Steve Bannon was, quote, dumped like a dog. You tweeted after he was fired. Sally Yates, you said she choked like a dog during her Senate testimony on the Russia investigation. And now Amarosa. That doesn't include all those outside your orbit you've hit with a canine cut down. Like when you referred to black NFL players as sons of, well, female dogs. But I think you might have learned a lesson this week. Sometimes the dog bites back with a book deal. And while we're talking about female canines, you know what they say about payback? It's a real, well, you, I'm sure you know the word I'm thinking of. So in the words of my late friend Aretha Franklin, show some R-E-S-P-I-C-T. And the next time, you get a black woman and a beagle confused. Remember this. I got you. Man, you know, I love it when a guy goes on his little tirade and he doesn't know how to spell respect. You got to have respect for yourself by knowing how to spell respect. Especially if you're talking about an icon like that. Which, once again, I have no problem with everybody going crazy about it. But I've said a million times on the show, nobody gives two shits when a soldier dies. Nobody gives two shit when a firefighter dies, a law enforcement agent. My brother Matt has been busting his ass during the fires being a mechanic. If, sadly, God had decided to take him during that time, nobody would report that Matt in Oregon was killed, tragically, by a fire. Nobody cares. They don't do montages and lose their fucking minds. I don't know why for our celebrities we feel we have to lose our fucking minds because they died. Reporting it, understand it. But if I hear the national anthem from the Super Bowl she was in one more time, I'm going to throw something on my TV. She was a great person. I understand she was a legend. I understand she was a groundbreaker. I got it. She was during a time that America was racist as fuck. But she's no different than anybody else. End of rant. Other one. This is perfect left coast logic. California bill proposes restricting restaurants to serving water or milk with kids' meals to combat child obesity. Somebody tweets, they are obsessed with controlling even the smallest details of our lives, right down to how much milk they would allow us to drink and what kind of straw they would allow us to use. You know, I understand it worked really good. I'm not going to read the rest. I have a hundred tweets off that. I'm just going to let it go. But I literally don't understand why you think you can make this like cigarettes. I understand cigarettes, they're secondhand smoke, got it. I hated it on airplanes. I'm not a smoker. It was annoying. Remember the flights to 
fucking Korea and the flying tiger and it was a flying fucking hookah bar. It was horrible. But not everything's like that. Telling me what my kids can drink. Maybe when they go out to dinner is the only time they get soda. You ever thought of that? Nanny fucking state? Jesus. So, we have some TDS. I, I have to play this. This this is what it's like, literally, with our media. I mean, it is out of fucking control. And you wonder why people are getting physically harmed when you hear shit like this. If you have a security clearance, especially high-level security clearances, your contracts and your consulting gift pay you a lot more money because of the access that you have. I hope the president continues to do this, and I hope he adds Omarosa to the list, because if she has a clearance, she too, because of her actions, uh, should have it revoked. Well, I don't know if I'd put Omarosa in the same category as the 75 people who signed those letters, but Phil Mudd, I imagine you want to react. Profitable Paris, when I am requested to sit on an advisory board, let me ask you one question. How much do you think I'm paid to do that at the request of the U.S. government? Give me one answer and you got 10 seconds. How much? I'll, give, I'll ask you a question. How much are you paid for your answer the question. contracting gig? For, for being a for being I have a no contracts with the U.S. government that pay money. I'm not talking zero. And this is the thing. When I'm, I'm not talking when I'm about asked to offer advice to the U.S. government, Phil, I let's be honest. Zero. Phil, let's be That's honest. It. I'm not talking about your role with the federal government. I'm talking about oh, the who are you talking gigs about? that you, you get about from being a consultant and a contractor. The consulting firms that they form and that you all get is because you get more money when having a consultant for having the security clearance. That Stop is acting like that doesn't happen. I have That's zero consulting relationships with the U.S. government. Zero. I'm not talking, Phil, that's a good talking point. I'm not talking about relationships with the government. I'm talking about in the private sector. When you have a security clearance and you keep it. I have zero relationships with the private sector that involve my security clearance. Zero. I get well, zero dollars from consulting companies that deal with the U.S. government. Are we clear? Well, I will be clear in saying that everybody in Washington, D.C. knows if you don't want to be honest about it, that's on you. But if you have a security clearance and you keep it, you We're get done, more Jim. money to We're have We're done. It. Get out. If you watch the video, it is like he's having a grand mall seizure. That motherfucker lost his mind. But that wasn't even the worst. I got that one, and then this little gem fell in my lap. But this, again, this is the most vocal president, at least in real time, that we've had in recent memory, right? He's the leader of the free world. Oh, no, he's not. He's not the leader of the free world, but sorry. Well, I default is the leader of the free world. Angela Merkel's the leader of the free world, but... <laughs> Well, he he is the most important person in in the world in politics right now, and he is very vocal. And I do agree with you that this does express a level of exasperation among his aides that they can't have any control over. Your are yeah, go ahead. That. I'm sorry. Your argument that he's not the leader of the free world because he's not because standing he's, up democracy, he's right, not standing up for he humanitarian can, he's, he's, rights. He's a, he's a sort of junior player in a block of authoritarian countries. And no, and the people like the European Union are no longer looking at him as a leader any longer. And they're thinking of, of course not. They see him as right. They see he's instead he's like right. He's part of a block that includes Vladimir Putin, Duterte. He's you know he's kind of part so, of a he's he, part of kind of an axis that's, power. That's, of well, hold on. That's it's worse than putting him. Way, I mean, not that that's not the worst thing you could have said because it's about the worst thing you could say about him. But well, if he's, he's not, not he's the not leader rounding of the people up and murdering America. murdering them yeah. without any uh, you know yeah. due process, he'd certainly I mean, like to. Uh, well, uh, well, anyway, I, I don't yeah. think you can say that definitively. I, 
I got that from a tweet. Well, if the tax cuts and the net neutrality and withdrawing from Paris Accord didn't kill everyone, I guess Trump is to resort to rounding people up and executing them. Sounds logical and not unhinged at all. She actually just said Angela Merkel is a leader of the free world where people are getting killed in our country because of the very policies that a person like that advocates for. And I think the best way to break it down is this story. American couple believing evil is a make-believe concept bike through territory near Afghan border. ISIS stabs them to death. A young couple who took a year-long bike trip around the world believing that evil will make a believe concept took a fatal route to Tajikistan near the Afghan border where alleged ISIS terrorists stabbed them to death. Jay Austin and Lauren Gogan, 29, quit their jobs last year in order to make their trip. Austin was a vegan who worked for the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. Gohan, a vegetarian, who worked in the Georgetown University Admissions Office. Austin had a personal blog in which he wrote in June, I've grown tired of spending the best day hours of my day in front of a glowing rectangle of coloring the best years of my life in swaths of gray and beige. I missed too many sunsets while my back was turned. Too many thunderstorms went unwatched. Too many gentle breezes unnoticed. Their trip, which lasted 369 days, took them from the southernmost tip of Africa in Cape Town, South Africa, to Nambia, Botswana, Zambia, Bawali, Tanzania, Egypt, yada yada, Kazakhstan, Yerkistan, and finally Tajikistan, where they were murdered along with two other cyclists, one from Switzerland and the other from the Netherlands. While in Morocco, Austin wrote, you watch the news, you read the paper, and you'd be led to believe the world is a big, scary place. People, the narrative goes, are not to be trusted. People are bad. People are evil. People are axe murderers and monsters and worse. I don't buy it. Evil is a make-believe concept. We've invented to deal with complexities of fellow humans holding values and beliefs and perspectives different than ours. It's easier to dismiss an opinion and is abhorrent than strive to understand it. Badness exists, sure, but even that's quite rare. By and large, humans are kind, self-interesting, sometimes myopic, sometimes but kind, generous and wonderful and kind. No general revelation has come from our journey than this. Alston also had some contentious words for Trump. I'm not going to read it. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But then on July 29th, as they were riding their bikes with two other cyclists, five men exited their car and stabbed all the bicyclists to death. Then they ran them the fuck over with their car. The Islamic State released a video showing five men identified as attackers sitting behind the ISIS flag. They face the camera and make a vow to kill disbelievers. CBS News added ISIS followed an initial chain of responsibility in print. The video showing the five reported attackers pledging allegiance to ISIS leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. Casey Dillon wrote something. I'm not going to read it. I talk about it on the show all the time. All the time. You can believe what you want to believe. You can have your opinion. You can hate the rest of Americans because they don't agree with you. That's fine. But there's evil out there. And those evil people who I've met, they will kill you. They will chop your fucking head off and they won't know that you're a Democrat progressive ally with intersectionality running through your blood. And when I see stories like that, I think... You are the people that are so Pollyanna, you believe you can embrace the world and love it, and it will love you back. But it won't. 
These wars, as much as the media has pushed and the media has strived to make people think, they weren't conjured up by Bush and freaking Darth Cheney. People really did fly those planes. Even though Van Jones won't tell you and it's okay to be a, a truther, we have no problem with that. They will do it. They will fucking do it. They hate everything about us. And to be quite honest, they hate you more than they hate me. Because you're the people pushing for women to have equal rights. Their women don't have equal rights. They don't drive fucking cars. You you rail against people like me who say, that dude's a dude. They would throw that dude, Vermont, girl, whatever, off a building. They would kill him. That's just normal people. It's not ISIS. Normal! It's still punishable by death to have sex that's gay. In most of these countries, we've shown it on the show. And it saddens me to see these two Pollyanna that really believe the politics of the left and everything they've been taught, that the world's a great place, it's just those evil Christian, Republican, middle-of-the-country, red-state, fucking southern pieces of shit. We just made it up because we're scared. You disdain people that own guns. Yet everyday people are getting killed by guns. 46 in Chicago. Three people shot, another beaten at a peace picnic. They came drunk, they fucked people up. That's our own country. That's not white people handing the gun to people and killing motherfuckers. It's not the evil police. It's not conservatives. It's human fucking nature. It's not the race. It's not. It has nothing to do with their politics. Since the day of Cain and Abel, people have picked up rocks and played Bam Bam on other people's fucking head. That's what we are. We're an animal like everybody else. It is in our core DNA. You can't bleed it out with pumpkin spice fucking lattes and skinny jeans and a healthy dose of NPR while you're going to Harvard and in the I hate white people, white privilege class as a white person. That doesn't bleed it out. That dude puts on a black Antifa outfit and beats the fucking people fucking up in Portland. Travels cross country. That's what he does. The very people that espouse all this Pollyanna kumbaya, we are one with the universe, are the people beating people up because they appear to be Nazis. That's human nature. They're so angry that an election didn't go their way that they forgot to vote in that they're beating fucking people up. That's what they're doing. Because they perceive them to be Nazis. Yeah. You know, you know the funniest thing? You never hear the people that are in the protest actually got beat up. It's everybody around it. Those are the people that get beat up. Interesting. Well, they get bricked. They get bricked in their cars. But that story sums up what I've been bitching to the liberals on the internet, people I know, having conversations. For 1.3 seconds, because I was raised a liberal, and I was pretty liberal up until my late 20s, I believed it wasn't a, it wasn't a huge thing. Al Qaeda wasn't a big, big organization. 
I kind of believe that these were just a rogue bunch of guys that attacked America a couple times. Those rogue guys blew up a fucking bunch of fucking embassies. and they, they, It was just a bunch of bad seeds. Then I went over and talked to them. And regular fucking people that were into it. They were true believers. And I went, what the fuck, Chuck? And then I did something called researching. Can't use Google because Google will just say Muslims are the best people on the planet and they're crusades or something because that's what Obama always said. But you go and research and yeah, there's a lot of reasons for them to hate us. We take all their fucking oil. We don't live our lifestyle. We're very secular. We elect people that aren't Christians. Nobody's forced to go to church. Yada, yada, yada. People who pray six times a day are probably going to look at a bunch of people that say, I have atheist microaggressions (laughs) and go, yeah, we need to kill them motherfuckers. Those people need to fucking die. I'm just telling you. It's deeper than Bush. It's deeper than oil. There is a large majority of the Islam world that believes in Sharia, that they should be old school, fucking Old Testament, to give an analogy, the serious parts of our Bible is their Quran, and they believe it. They live it. They espouse it. They walk around in burqas. But every day, Trump voters who made a decision, just like you did, for the person you didn't want because you wanted Bernie, they're Nazis. Got it. Okay. You can see why I fucking flail on this show every goddamn time about how crazy this all is. The real shit in the world, you tell me, crusades, and you get on your fucking bike, and you get stabbed and ran the fuck over, and Trump's a piece of shit. Okay. So let's close on Water's Wet. Here's Jack from Twitter. The president called you out for shadow banning. What is the truth around that idea? So I, I think a lot of the, in, the the statements behind the statement and the question behind the question is, um, look, shadow banning is a very widely defined term. There's not one single definition. Um, so definition that we found that seems to write with the most people is um, you know not amplifying particular messages or if someone puts out a, a tweet hiding tweet from everyone uh, without that person who tweeted it knowing about it so but the real question behind the question is are we doing something according to political ideology or viewpoints and we are not period we do not look at content with regards to political viewpoint or ideology. We look at behavior. And we use that behavior as a signal to uh, to add to relevance. We need to constantly show that we are not adding our own bias, which I fully admit is is left is is more left leaning. Uh, and I think it's important to articulate our bias and and to and to share pe- with share it with people so that people understand us. But we need to remove all bias from how we act and our policies and our enforcement. People have these assumptions that, that you're out to get them or something. Uh, that, and which is why transparency matters. Yeah. Uh, which is why being open about our own personal views and, and what we think about what's happening is, is important. 
and I'll, I'll fully admit that I haven't done enough of that. I haven't, I haven't done enough of like articulating my own perspectives with this service and, and my own personal objectives in the world. And, and uh, I, I think people see a faceless corporation that has, they don't assume that humans are in it, you know, or that they're genuine or authentic. They just assume based on what the output is. And, and that's, yeah, you don't have some biased. You are biased. You're 100% biased. There's no doubt you're biased. It's not a conspiracy by the right wing. It's not people literally fucking saying like they do with the media. The media's out to get us. They hate conservatives. None of that. You literally are biased. I have 950 followers on Twitter. I've been shadow banned. In all my time on Twitter, and I accidentally closed the window, I I maybe had 300 most of the time. I've only tweeted 8,000 times. And it's usually retweeting other people. I've been a member since fucking like 2014. So four years. I've been shadow banned. And I didn't break any rules. The screen came up and said I was banned and we're monitoring you. And then they took it off because they probably went back and researched my site and realized, okay, he's not an evil bot. He's not a Russian and he's not a Trump voter because I don't say anything about Trump on my site. You're biased. I read every day horrible shit about America, Americans, other people, white people, Black people who are conservative, it's there. You don't care, and you don't apply your rules the same. You never will. Facebook's kind of getting along because I think Zuckerberg's looking at the bottom line and realizing it's out of control over there. But the worst part about it, the worst part, right-wing, you know, fucking racist pieces of shit sites are taken down. As they should be. But far left, crazy Antifa, Islamist, all that shit, that stays up. And I will tell you right now, I don't care what the media tells you. I don't care what fucking The Root or HuffPo or all these alt-left sites tell you. There is more violence out of the left right now vis-a-vis Antifa. Regular people walking down the street with a Trump hat getting their ass handed to them. Than the inverse. It's just not happening. It's not the same. So this media rhetoric, the social media rhetoric that's allowed to stand, kill all white people can be a hashtag, kill all white men, hashtag. That's dangerous. And as we start every show, every time I don't have a loss of overseas, American violence, it's there. Because that human nature thing. You are inciting violence every day on CNN and MSDNC. People listen. Every Trump voters are racist. They believe it. People listen to Chris Cuomo, Don Lemon, Seltzer. Well, is it morally offensive to punch a white supremacist? No, it's okay. You don't have to fucking find out if they're actually a white supremacist. They could just be a white person. Could be a black person with a camera. That was okay too, because they thought he was a bad person. And the most important point I'll make, and I'm going to shut up, 
Because I'm Twitter is it's useless. It's not going to change. None of this will ever change. The next president will come on. They will do whatever the fuck they want. They will maybe jail fucking Trump supporters. Whatever. And the social media and our media will be like, yes, get them motherfuckers. We're all good. If America was so fucked up like you said, and if Trump was restricting free speech like you say, why can you go on Twitter? Why can CNN, MSDNC, ABC, CBS have people get on there every day and say America's not great, Trump voters are racist, everybody's a fucking piece of shit, Trump's a fucking Nazi, Trump is gobbles, Trump's this, Trump's that. None of that is restricted. Brennan, who loses a security clearance, and I still wonder why the fuck he has it, he can still go out and say Trump is a fucking tyrant. If we really were what you think we are, which, once again, that's anybody that's not an uber prog. I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm not a white nationalist. I'm not a Nazi. But everybody white who's not an ally wearing skinny jeans and doing pumpkin spice and wearing period pants, if we really were what you say we are, worse than ISIS, why is all this shit allowed? Why is Antifa allowed to go fucking crush skulls? It's a circular logic on you. Nothing's changed except for Trump. That's it. Our country's still the same. We're banning certain countries just like Obama did. We're separating families just like Obama did. Nothing's changed. It's you lost an election and you can't fucking handle it. Because you thought you were going to get what you wanted. Fucking Quebec. Crazy fucking Canadian shit. That's not America. That's New York, Portland, Seattle, Los Angeles. Those, yeah, you guys are like that. But that landmass is really big. And in between those points, sorry, there's a whole bunch of other people. Black, Spanish, white. We don't think like you. We actually have to pay bills and work and we worry about more important shit than whether trans people pretending to have periods are getting proper tampons or whatever the fucking crazy shit that that damn scarred me picture on Twitter is about. We believe ISIS is bad. We believe the media is biased. Either right or left. We don't think babies should be killed and the day before they're supposed to be born. We, we just don't. We don't think like you. But you're still allowed to think the way you are. I'm allowed to think who I am. The deck's definitely stacked for you because you have a PR campaign like crazy out of every major network who buys your shit every week with the latest cause de jour special group and microaggressions and bullshit. If America was so bad, you wouldn't. So put that in your fucking hookah pipe or your vape and smoke it. So that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with your family and friends. Send emails or suggestions for segments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOPpodcastgmail.com. You get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politic webpage at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. FOP 
podcast.com. It's a theme. To see links to feeds for the show, links to our Facebook page, and to email us. There you see a link to every episode on the episode release page and nothing on the blog page because I suck and I don't blog. Our next podcast will be 2 4 24 August, year of our Lord, 2018. I hope you all have a fantastic week. Stay safe out there if you're in the southern region like I am. Big storms coming through today. Uh, make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs to your family. It's a short ride. You just, you just need to enjoy it, man. They're going to be gone. They're going to be moved up. They're going to fucking hate you. It's just going to happen. So enjoy them. And thanks once again for all the listenership, all the new listeners. Please stick with it. If this one was your cup of tea, eventually you'll get a cup of tea. It'll be chai. It'll be Earl Grey. I'll get you some tea. And if you don't, you want some different tea, F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Send me an email. I'll do the segment. You'll get billing. Don't do last names. Just do first names and where you're from. But you'll get billing. And I'll say I'm, you know, Jimmy and freaking Callie wanted me to do this. I'll do it. So we'll end like we always end. Thank you all for listening. And take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Remember to check out our website at foppodcast.com. And remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count. Right there.